Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Eric, how are you, friend? You know, the Bahamas are in the rear view. Mm-hmm. But I, you, Glory is right in front of us in in i mean it there we could be on the precipice of a huge announcement right like depending oh, we're on not when, we're not could be we are on the precipice of a huge announcement well yeah but i guess i'm thinking of the listener right because the listener could know maybe you know maybe the listeners are listening right before they know before any of us know or as they're knowing we are recording this on monday night we are releasing it Tuesday morning, hours before Jalen Hood Shafino makes his announcement on where he will take his talents. And I'm just saying, I've been saying it for weeks and weeks, he's taking his talents to Monroe County Beach, Lake Monroe Beach. That's what he's doing. Not South Beach. He's going to Lake Monroe Beach. Bloomington Beach. That's where, that's where we've partied. That, that is a difficult, albeit very fun, party. Yeah, look, this recruitment has been exciting. Kenya Hunter has been on this recruitment basically since he got to Indiana over a year ago. This was one of the first guys that he reached out to for the class of 22. He's been on him hard since. He went through a coaching change. Kenya stayed with it. And he has just weathered the storm. And by all reports, we are in as good of position as you could possibly be in waiting for an announcement like this. I'm glad you brought up Kenya because he deserves all the love he gets and that much more. But it, if, if you ever needed a demonstration of how important the relationship is between an assistant coach who's the lead recruiter and a player, look no further. And we've, we've seen other cases of this with Kenya, certainly with Scoop and then with Parker. But when you're talking about a guy who uh, has recruited for two different coaches at the same university and has kept the guy interested, it's not even just the university. Obviously, it wasn't just the head coach. It's very much about what that gentleman and his family feel about Coach Kenya Hunter. Now, also, if the guy decides to go somewhere else, just ignore everything we just said. No, no. Then it's Kenya's fault. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Then, then just wipe it all clear. And Kenya is a problem and we have to deal with it. <laughs> so it's exciting times for IU basketball. And then on the heels of that comes a big visit this Friday with Noah Clowney who is the last kind of high schooler that we are after right now for the class of 22. It's a big deal. Highly skilled big man. 
fits exactly the kind of style that Woody wants to play. And we've said this before, the quote that we have heard from the staff about Noah Clowney is this dude's a pro in two years of college basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's high praise. So wait, so, so what you say is Clowney is no joke. Ooh, yeah. Or I would say Clowney ain't clowning around. Or you could say Clowney honk honk. (laughs) (laughs) Or Clowney ain't no bozo. (laughs) It's all stupid. Let's hope he shows up just so we can come up with just absolutely stupid things to say about his name the entire time. Noah gonna Clowney you. Noah, what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just so bad. So lots of excitement with basketball. But let's not forget that today, when this is released, is Mm -hmm. Tuesday the 24th. Yes. On September 4th, 11 days from now. Is your birthday. Okay. But that's not important. (laughs) Indiana plays Iowa at Iowa to open up the most anticipated Indiana football season of the modern era. Just to see all these preseason polls finally come out and it's official what we all thought we're ranked. We're ranked mostly one spot ahead of Iowa. We won't look ahead to Cincinnati and how overrated they are and how we're going to supplant them in the top 10. Cause first we got to take out Iowa in Iowa and it's no joke. That is a very serious high stakes game to start your season. Yeah. I mean, look, we've talked about it back and forth. You win the game and the ceiling for the season is crazy. I don't, I can't even talk about it. You lose the game. You can still have a great season. We can still have a great season, Sure, but it does cap a little bit of probably what the season could be. And it just caps it so early. It caps it on September 4th. It's like, That's the beauty and the curse of college football. Every game is just your season or not. Yeah. It doesn't make you miss like playing, you know, St. Mary's of, of where St. Mary's of (laughs) wherever you want to put them. St. Mary's of Pittsburgh or ball state or other comparable programs to like pad our bowl wins before we get into the big 10 conference it's just straight into the fire from game one and yeah it's exciting and nerve-wracking all at the same time and i've got to say nobody wants us to watch that game at their establishment here in la i mean we're trying to put together this watch party for southern california hoosiers hoosier hysterics and we're just having a hell of a time finding a place the the delta variant is not helping us that think, is not helping us. I think that's why nobody's even getting back to me. Yeah, they're um, like, somebody's calling about bringing a group? Yeah. Like, it's just Ward is just calling and going, hey, hi, my name's Super Spreader. I'd like to come to your establishment <laughs> on September 4th. And well, they're even, like, well, we're not going to take that call. Even our beloved parlor on Melrose, which we've been to for many, many, many great Indiana viewing parties and events, uh, that's where I saw the watch shot is – Uh, not getting back to me. Their phone number is no longer working. Their website is still taking reservations up to four people. Uh, But I've, I've worked behind the scenes and gotten a couple people's names and emails, 
We'll see if anything comes of that. But I kind of think I have looked at the numbers over the last few days and maybe we don't want to be a super spreader event. Do you think that we could do like a private, a private watch party at my house and we turn it into an NIL fundraiser and we say, all right, if you want to come watch this, you come to my house, me, Ward, and a half dozen to 10 people, and it's $1,000 to come watch this game. $1,000 to NIL, not to us, to NIL. Do you think anyone would bite on that, Ward? Um, I'm sure you and I would be there. Yeah, right, right. Beyond, would not cost us the $1,000. Beyond that, I couldn't say. What I would say is it's worth a shot. And, and at least I know you'll get back to me about it. Yeah, well, look, I'm putting it out there. If three people from Southern California want to watch the game at my house with Ward and me watching the Iowa game, and you're willing to pay $1,000 into the NIL collective, the Hoosier Hysterics NIL collective, I'll do it at my house on my birthday. Wow, wow. So you're celebrating my birthday. I'm going to have to clean the house out. Like, the kids can't be here. Nobody can be here. We will just have – I'll provide cigars. We'll watch it in the back. I've got a TV in the back. I'm putting it out there. We'll see if anybody responds to this in Southern California. What about Dog Cheney? And what if somebody wants to fly in from outside of Southern California? Bring it. If, so, if you can get here, although I will say this, you got to be vaccinated. That's, <laughs> we'll do that. Okay. So okay. if you're vaccinated and you will prove it, <laughs> you will give $1,000 to NIL. You can absolutely watch the game at my house. If we get three other people to do it, Ward, we'll do it. Game on. All right. So we're putting it out there. It's crazy, but it's not as crazy as it may seem. And this podcast episode and what we're about to talk about is proof that it's not as crazy as it seems. Because on our Twitter spaces last week, we did an impromptu hysterics hindsight NIL fundraiser. It was a telethon. It was a telethon. <laughs> Although it wasn't a telethon. What would you no, call it? It was, it was an impromptu Phonathon. What's that? It was a phonathon. Phone. Wait. wait well, I guess it. Does telethon mean it? telephone? It's in a different part of the word. <laughs> I always thought tele telethon meant television. Oh, maybe it did. I thought it was because they're all calling in on the telephone and everybody. You everybody's... might be right. You might be right. <laughs> all right. Well, it was a telethon, and we raised. Well, what did I? What was it over? Like two thousand dollars we raised for nil just in the twenty minutes yeah. that we did it. By the way, anybody who partook in that partook participated anybody who participated in that the shirts are on their way i the shirts are in storage i had to get them but they're being mailed out so you will get them and then at the end we threw out something crazy and we said if there's a hysteric out there who wants to give us 500 dollars for the hoosier hysterics nil collective we will let you be part of our next episode of our podcast you will be the hysteric of the week you will be that. And someone bit. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching this, you've been staring at a picture of him and a minivan that says Aloha, Who's Your Nation? With a lovely lady next to him. I don't know who that is, but we will find out. Please put your hands together for a true Hoosier hysteric and supporter of the Hoosier Hysterics NIL Collective, Brandon Straub. What's up, guys? Oh, man, I'm getting so pumped just thinking about you. It's a Zoomathon, basically. 
That's yeah. what's going on at your house. And now, Ward, when you said fly out, I was literally thinking like, oh, I'm flying out. I'm coming out. I'm just going to show up and surprise them. I mean, that's basically what happened on this telethon, Twitter spaces a thon. So that's true. All right, Brandon, before we get into uh, the meat here, you have to prove your hysterics credibility here. So give us a story that, and maybe it has something to do with that profile pic we were all staring at, but give us a story that proves uh, to the hysterics universe that you are a true hysteric. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, well, you know, first thing that pops into my mind is my, all my friends, my best friends saying basically that I have a problem, you know, that I'm neglecting other important things in life. But then I'm like, hey, I know a lot of other people like this. Like, I'm not the one with the problem, right? Um, but yeah, the profile picture, that's, that's a kind of a fun story. So, you know, Maui Invitational 2015 really wanted to go. And I realized that my parents-in-law both are Kansas Jayhawks. And lo and behold, Kansas, Indiana, both in the field. So I'm thinking big. I'm like, oh, let's pitch family Thanksgiving in Maui. And I'm getting excited about it, yada, yada, yada. And then it occurred to me, wait a second, it's going to be pretty hard to get tickets to this game. But I had already done like travel plans and like got everybody excited about it, you know, pitch the idea, whatever. And so I started looking into like, oh, shoot, how do I get tickets? Well, you know, I'm a donor, but like a this donor, you know, not like a <laughs> this donor. So I, I figure out that like you need to be like a big donor to get access to the tickets and or you got to spend like 20 grand to get a package. So anyway, I contact the ticket company and learn that usually they will sell tickets to island residents, like a local sale, okay? Hey, so ah. in learning that, what I did was, I basically flew to Maui from New York and did like a 36 hour, flew from New York to Maui, you know, landed at 8 p.m., got up at 3 a.m., got in line at the local coffee shop where they're selling the tickets at like <laughs> 4 a.m., the coffee shop opened at 8 a.m. I was the first guy in line. And because I was the first in line, I got to buy like all the tickets to all the games for like, I think it was like seven or eight of our family members. And then I just flew back to New York, you know, because that was like, that was like two months before the, the Maui invite, but I had to get the tickets. I couldn't go to Maui like red, you know, empty handed. Number one, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Number two, <laughs> number two you fit in very well with us. That yes. is, that is... Awesome. That is awesome. Uh, so it will be no surprise, Brandon, if you show up at Eric's on September 4th. It won't no. even be that big a deal for you. <laughs> yeah, no, just like I did like, like Jules. Who, okay, yeah, that's my wife, Julia, in the picture. Yes. This was the way that she announced to the world that we were having our first child. She's like, you can't really see it here, but she's got a little baby bump there. And so, wow. you know, before when she was pregnant and I was like, hey, and we had a dog and I was like, yo, like, I, I got to go get these tickets. Like, are you going to be cool by yourself for like 48 hours? Like if you go into labor, you know, like, anyway, we got it done and yeah, it was a great time. Obviously we, it was a horrible Maui invite for us, but you know, let's, let's not let that ruin the story. Exactly. Don't let facts get in the way of a good story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Brandon, I got to meet you in person in the Bahamas. You were, I mean, obviously if you're flying to Maui for a, a ticket sale in a local coffee shop, you're going to be in the Bahamas. We got to meet there. Uh, give us your just quick, you know, overview of what you saw and felt from being in, in the Bahamas uh, with the IU basketball team. Man, I was so encouraged. I mean, so encouraged, just like you guys have been talking about for 
several weeks and months now, like the momentum that we have is just, it feels like, you know, it's, it's as high as I can remember in the last probably 20 years, frankly, you know, mm. not barring 2002 going to the national championship game, but, um, yeah, I mean, I saw a talent upgrade. I sort of hate to say that, but you know, I, I told somebody the other day, like I loved Armand Franklin and yet the three guys that we brought in, it's, it's a bit of an upgrade, you know, and I wish Armand all the best, but like, I think our team is just more talented. I loved how hungry we were on defense, you know, obviously coach Woodson and everything we've been reading and hearing about is he's hasn't even focused on offense yet. I think that you kind of saw that. So it leaves a lot of like hope for the future thinking like, Oh man, our offense has nowhere to go, but up, um, you know, so I'm trying to temper the expectations because I'm just like, you know, like the Twitter spaces thing is a great example. Like you mentioned that. And I was like, Oh yes, of course. Of course I'm doing that right now. Like, hold on. I mean, just like, you know, it's like anything is like a yes right now. How quickly um, did you regret that decision? No, not a, not one bit. Okay. The only thing I regretted was like, oh shoot, now I have to like show my face and like come onto the internet, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but you know, if there's one thing I was going to do it for, it would be you know the Indiana Hoosiers. Good, uh, Brandon. Yeah, so. For uh, we can't see the the number below on your jersey. There uh, is it. It's a number four, which would make me think that's Victor Oladipo signature. Yes, right sir. There. Yes, sir. Is yep. that your guy? Yep. Is he your all-time guy? Well, I mean, yes. I'm not in love with what's gone on with his injury and leaving the Pacers. I grew, I was born and raised in Indiana, so I'm actually a big Pacers fan too. And I got his number four jersey signed at a Pacers game. Mm. Uh, but now it's Christian Lander. So, you yes. know, and I think like, hey, Christian, go in the same direction as Victor Oladipo. Let's do this, right? Right. So I'm channeling that. But yeah, this is, yeah, I love, I love B.O. Who, what, what town did you grow up in? Muncie, Indiana, which nice. is where like Ball State University is for those yes. who, you know, don't really know. And who is your all-time favorite Hoosier? Gosh, so hard. I mean, it's either Alford or Calvert Chaney. You okay. know, I think because Alford, I kind of grew up like, oh my gosh, that could be me. It's like you, Ward. It's like six foot, five <laughs> foot, 11. If I just hit a ton of shots, I might make the team sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, but then Chaney just like, just an absolute like competitor fire, you know, Dwayne Morton in his face, whatever. He didn't care. He didn't back down from anybody, you know, it's just right. like, and I love the humility of Calvert Chaney too, even to this day. So it's probably one of those two. And, and yeah. he, All time. he is still with the Pacers. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. but we do need to veer off to a, a local legend there in Muncie real quick just to give ball state a little love because they're not a threat in any way, shape or form. So I'm okay Ew. doing this, Oh yeah. but, but how big a deal was Bob Ross for you growing up? Dude, I just went to the Bob Ross experience in Muncie, like a month ago where his studio was at for like all the filming sessions of his show. Yeah. So they have like tons of the paintings up. They've got like a recreation basically of his studio. Pretty dang cool. Very yeah. cool. So like, yeah, actually, we like our whole family went. We had like visitors in town. They were celebrating my mom's and dad's 40th wedding anniversary. And so we were like, hey, why don't we just all go to this like, you know, Bob Ross thing? I mean, it's there's not a whole lot else to do in Muncie. So let's <laughs> let's check it out. So, yeah, props to Bob Ross, you know. First, that might be the first Bob Ross shout out on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast. It Probably. Was, you it, know. Was, it was overdue. Obviously, he isn't from Indiana, but 
when I found out maybe a couple of years ago that that all was filmed at Ball State and that he lived in Anderson, I was like, because, yep. yeah, I mean, I not only watched him a lot then, but I had a phase a couple of years ago where I got back into Big Bob late night just to zen out at the end. Yeah, of, we uh, know what was going on. There. You got some happy clouds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah we know out. what we know how you were zenning out with Bob Ross eating jelly bellies and painting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> oh, just a happy, happy little mistake. All right. So, Brandon, listen, you're our first Hoosier Hysteric of the Week. We are honored to have you. We appreciate the contribution to the NIL Collective. I do want to just say a quick word about the Hysterics NIL Collective. Many of you probably saw the article that was written by our very own Jeff Rabjohns about the collective, which we greatly appreciate. That article was tweeted out by none other than our mortal enemy and best friend, Jay Billis, uh, who has been a, a vocal leader in NIL movement and really just players being compensated. So that was a big deal for us. And the contributions continue to roll in and we want more and more and more because we want to make this thing as impactful as it can possibly be. And I will tell you this, there are recruits coming that are looking at NIL. There are recruits whose decisions are in the balance who look at NIL. Now we know it can't be used as an inducement, but that does not mean that players aren't asking questions about what are the opportunities there. And this is a big opportunity. So thank you to everyone who's contributed. We are available on Zelle now too. Uh, you can Venmo us at Hoosier Hysterics, NIL. That's the business label um, on Venmo. And if you want to use Zelle, it's 818-653-3851. 818-653-3851. That goes right into the bank account. And we will be updating you as soon as we have some news to share, but hopefully that will not be too uh, much further down the road. And like Brandon is such a wonderful example of how we're going to win on the court. We're going to hang a sixth, not because we've got like six people hanging out in the background, shoveling all this money in it's there's more of us and we care more and everybody, whether it's $5 or $500 or $5,000, that's what's going to make the difference between us and all these other schools who pretend to have a bunch of absolutely insane fans. Whereas like Brandon said, he is in good company. He's got, he's got two partners in crime right here, but there are tens of thousands of us that are this extreme, hundreds of thousands who are invested. And if everybody would just give what they could, game over, Hoosiers win. I'm with you. So Brandon, we're going to bring you back when we get uh, deeper into the interview with our guest today, which we're really excited about. It's the first of its kind on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast. So we are uh, lucky and happy to have you. And we will check back in with you, but feel free to listen and, and watch the rest of the, uh, the pod till we bring you back. Great, guys. I can't wait to see what you do at the NIL Collective as well. I'm, I'm really excited for it, too. Great work on it. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know, we've done a lot of these episodes. We've talked to a lot of people. But we've never done an episode like this, and we've never talked to not only this person, but a person in his position with all that intrigue raised. Eric, I'll give you uh, the floor to reveal more. I do believe this gentleman's been ducking us for the better part of four years, and that comes to a head today. He, has, he is facing the music, and as Ward said, it's the first time 
that we've ever talked to somebody who is currently playing for the Indiana Hoosiers basketball team. Ladies and gentlemen, hailing from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where it's so cold that you have to be tough. I mean, you just have to be tough to live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're talking to a gentleman who comes from an athletic royalty family, truthfully. His father, a star at the University of Minnesota, drafted in the first round by the Green Bay Packers. His mom, a volleyball player for Iowa. His sister, a two-time academic All-Big Ten volleyball player at Wisconsin, Dominique. His other sister, Indigo, played for San Diego State. His brother playing football at Minnesota. This gentleman graduated from Armstrong High School in 2017, where you know what he did that year? He shot 45% from the three-point line. That's what he did. 45% from the three-point line. That's an important thing that we will get back to. This gentleman was so smart and so good that he decided wrap up high school in three years because Indiana came a calling. We are talking to a gentleman who has battled through injuries that the rest of us would simply give up our athletic pursuits. Not this gentleman. He fought through it. He fought through it. He fought through it. So much so that he became the team captain last year. One of the team captains of Indiana University. He was the sixth most improved scorer in the entire Big Ten last year. He led the team in steals last year. He was second in block shots. He is one of the toughest sons of bitches you'll ever see play basketball. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to none other than Race Thompson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. You're welcome. Race, how are you, man? Uh, never better. Never better. School started today, so getting that uh, back up going is not always fun, but I'm excited. So where are you right now? Are you in Evolve Apartments? No, I don't live there no more. I moved out. I live in a townhome, like a minute away from there. Ooh, so you got out of Evolve because you're like a senior and it's time to just live on your own? Uh, no, I was just trying to save a little bit of money. Honestly, you don't get to save very much money living there. It's pretty expensive. That's interesting that that that, that the financial concern is, is a real concern for, for you at Indiana. Yeah, it is a real concern. It's a real concern that basically all your money goes to the rent, so you ain't really... Pocketing nothing. I like. I, it's interesting. It's why nil might be so important. Very possible. Well, important. I mean, the, I I I think everybody who's an Indiana basketball fan should know that to save a few bucks, race you had to leave Evolve to go somewhere else because for all the time and effort and love you put into that uniform you wear. To me, it's it's ridiculous that you should have to worry about something like that after all you've already given to the university. And, you know, with the year we're we're all so excited about having, you know, we're we're not thinking about, oh, I, I hope these guys aren't aren't worried about their living expenses. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, a lot of us live check to check. So I mean, you'll hear it in the locker room, like, I can't go eat. I ain't got I don't got no money. I mean, some people have more than others, but uh, I mean, there's definitely a few of us who live check to check. So there's definitely not all sunshine and rainbows everywhere. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, the eye candy at Evolve Apartments was pretty good, though. Oh, Evolve was fun. Evolve was fun. Yeah. When, <laughs> now, your freshman year, you didn't live at Evolve, right? Was it even built? Uh, it was being built my freshman year. Got it. So when you moved into Evolve, was it like moving into a country club? 
Yeah, it was really nice. And then every year it just kind of declines a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I think that's important to talk about too, because this is something we continually hear as such a big recruiting tool, but the, the place has just kind of gotten dumpy because it's had several years of college people living in it. Yeah, I mean, people probably just don't take as good care of it as they should. I mean, like the rooms and stuff are really nice. It's just like the hallways and the other amenities have just kind of gone downhill a little bit. So, Race, do you have a roommate this year? Two roommates. Are they players or, or just yeah. friends? I live with Rob and Trace. Nice. That's a good. Now, now, what? give us some scoop on what is Rob like to live with? Um, I mean, he's a pretty simple dude. I mean, he's. Like, a lot of people probably think he's serious all the time. He's not like that at all. He's a pretty, like, lighthearted dude. He's funny. He's fun to be around. Uh, makes jokes a lot. Play fighting and stuff like that. He's he's just a fun dude to be around. And give us Trace. Trace is, uh, I mean, we all talk about it. He's like a five-year-old in a 21-year-old's body. So he's just, <laughs> he's like a big little kid. So he's always a character to be around. Like he's, does he play games? Like, is he a video gamer? Is he trying to, is he always trying to screw around and stuff? Screw around. Me and Trace play video games all the time. Uh, Rob doesn't play as much video games as me and Trace do, but I mean, Trace is just, he just is always loud and obnoxious and doing the most. <laughs> Love it. But, but this is also a, a big chunk of the leadership of this year's team living under one roof. Is that something you guys ever? ever have to talk about do you ever have to kind of get together and be like hey we're we're leaders of this team and and we got to go to practice today and say this or that or is it more just you all know and you don't really have to talk about it i'll say it's a little bit of both uh me trace and rob definitely have had days where like well we got to be better tomorrow or things like of that nature but at the same time we just know like we're like okay let's go we gotta pick it up we gotta do this it's not really something that needs to be said. You can kind of feel the energy in the gym and being there with Rob for our fourth year, Trace's me and his third year together, kind of just look at each other and you just know like, okay, like I got to pick it up today. You got to bring some more energy for the team. I don't know if this has been announced, but are there captains of this year's team? Uh, Yeah, I think me and Trace. Nice. nice. Congrats, man. Yeah, that is, I mean, two years of captain at Indiana basketball. What does that feel like? First of all, to go through what you went through your first couple of years, obviously, at Indiana, first several years, battle through that and be named the captain by Archie and that staff, the staff that brought you in. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But then also a whole coaching staff changes and they make you the captain as well. Just talk to us a little bit about what that responsibility means to you. Uh, it means a lot. It means um, I feel like the coaches know that I have their trust and uh players trust so I feel like everybody trusts me throughout the program uh, with coach Miller it was the same way uh, with the young guys coming in I feel like people were looking up to me and following what I was doing um, I always been like kind of a leader throughout my high school middle school whole career I just I've always talked more than other players I felt like and even last year I felt like I came into my shoes feeling more comfortable more confident in myself to be able to talk like that to run my teammates, be hard on teammates, push teammates to be better. Uh, and like my teammates allowing me to do that has really made our relationships better. I think it's going to help us in the long run. No doubt. It's interesting. I was going to get to this later, but, but it's a nice segue into it. It seemed like you kind of becoming more comfortable in yourself and in the leadership role in the team. It seemed like it started back in 
Minnesota, truthfully, and in your community with everything that happened in and around the George Floyd uh, situation and tragedy. And you became kind of a, um, a civic leader really for, for the team. And, and obviously you were very um, visible at marches and at, at rallies. And that became a bit of a rallying cry for the team that then led into the season. Did, mm -hmm. did you feel like you were just coming into your own um, when all that happened? I mean, when all that was happening in Minneapolis and I was there, I mean, I felt like my dad being who he is in Minnesota and Minneapolis, we were, while we I, I sat down and talked to me, said, I said, like, who are we if we don't go out there and, like, show our faces and, like, be there for everybody and march what we believe in? Um, and he, we just talked about that for a while, and he was like, you're right, we have to go out there. So I think that has helped me, like, really just, like, be who I am. I don't never, I don't hold back who I am, like, ever. Like, I'm confident now. I feel like before, there's older people above me who were more confident than I was. So I was kind of just, like, following, following, following. It wasn't very comfortable. And, like, after that and coming in last year, I felt like I was more of a leader and felt more comfortable being who I was. So I think that, yeah, that definitely helped. But I also feel like, it was just a growing up thing too. But, wow. but to just be clear on that story, you were the one who, who went to your dad and had that conversation. It wasn't him saying, son, now this is something we're going to go do. You, you actually even took leadership with your own family on that. Yeah, definitely. I would say me and my brother and a couple of our neighborhood friends, we, we went before my parents had went. And then the day after we went back again and I, my parents came with that time. And um, I, I do wonder because with the insane year that, you know, followed and with COVID and all of that, are you feeling anywhere in society, even around IU, that a change has, has taken place? I mean, in a sense, I mean, there, there's justice was served. Uh, obviously, the police officer was arrested. Um, uh, I don't know, like, I feel like I've heard less of the police shootings of the, all that. I think people are being more careful and that such, but I mean, you just never know. Cause it could be in one day, something could happen and it could just spiral all back downhill again. And, I mean, you don't know, like, yeah, it feels good right now. And two weeks before George Floyd, we got killed. It felt good. And then George Floyd got killed and it was just like a hole in everybody's heart. So. Right. I mean, you just, you just never know, honestly. Um, on to a little bit of lighter fare and, and, and more entertainment fare. Um, and we will get back to this as we go through your story. But the other big thing that you just did was you just got back from the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. Give us, people have heard me talk about my experience in the Bahamas, which by the way, part of was annoying you in the Bahamas. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, but I think we would all just love to know from your perspective, what was it like for you in the Bahamas, both from a basketball sense and also just off the court with your teammates? Uh, let's start with the basketball. Basketball, um, I felt like I thought we played really well. I feel like not a lot of people expect us to play the way we did. And both games felt really different. So I think we won both games in a different fashion. Like second game felt like we were more defense. We had to get stops. We had to play and the first game we were clicking on offense real good. So defense, we were playing defense, but it wasn't like a well, um But I think that we surprised ourselves a little bit too. Um, we had been playing in practice almost every day. And 
uh, running every other day, like so much. And I think we were just really in better shape than we thought we were in. I think that um, our offense was clicking better than we thought it would because a lot of us don't get to play with each other every single day. Um, I don't know. And then off the court, I would say that that was like some of the most fun I've had since I've been at IU uh, in a team bonding since we don't really get to get away from IU and go have fun like that. Um, I mean, I'd never been out of the country before this. A couple of us had never been out of the country. So I think that was really special for us to be able to do that as a team together and really just spend like six days nonstop with each other, having fun on the beach, uh, just doing literally anything you can think of in the Bahamas. It was a blast. Well, and it seems like the thing that would be rare for any athlete at any point is to get to have that experience with their teammates and your family mm -hmm. was there. Was it like, was there almost, was it, was it hard to hang out with everybody you wanted to hang out with or, or was it just a, a nice fun trip where you got to spend time with all? Uh, it was, I got to spend time with all, obviously. I mean, I missed out uh, maybe like swimming in the ocean with Trace and a couple other people one or two times just because I went to go hang out with my family because I didn't get, I don't get to see them how Chase could see his family or other people from Indiana get to see their families. So, and I hadn't seen my sister for a while too, and she was there. Um, so I really was trying to spend time with both and find a good balance. Uh, my family understood that and my teammates understood that. So it wasn't like nobody was like, come over here, come over here. And I was like, no, I'm going here. And they were like, oh, they're like, okay, well, we'll catch up with you later then. Like everybody understood, so it was just it was just a really good time overall. I can also say I saw I saw racist parents several times, and they did that vacation right. They found a spot that became their spot, and they were there <laughs> for like eight hours a day. And Race's dad is a man after my own heart, smoking cigars all day long. We shared a couple cigars together, and they just they went to nice dinners, and but in between, it was like we're just going to relax. They they had figured it out. I will say this, and I want to get into it a little bit more, because, you know, when, when you're a college athlete like you are, and you're playing at a big-time university, we as fans just take it for granted that you're in great shape. Like, so when there was all this talk about, like, Woody coming in and, like, we're going to run, like, we're going to get these guys in great shape, we're going to up the conditioning, I know as a fan, I was like, what do you mean? Like, weren't they in great shape already? And the great testament that I want to say to the shape that you are in right now is you played that second game after all the 10 practices leading up to it, you played that game where you play a ton of minutes and those were aggressive physical games, especially that second game. Yeah. And at less than an hour later, Holly and I are in the ocean and race is swimming with turtles in the ocean. <laughs> I'm like, I was there for five minutes. I was out of breath. I had to go back before I would drown and race is just in the middle of the ocean swimming. Can you talk a little bit about, how is it different, the shape that you're in this year versus the shape that you guys were in last year? I mean, I would say, like, the main difference was just the way we conditioned. Um, um, like, Coach Miller, he really ran our conditioning, and we just really ran on the court, and then we would do verse climber. And I'm not saying that we weren't in shape. I was in shape last year, some of the best shape of my life, honestly. Um, and this year is different. We, we Tim Garl was in charge of it. And we ran in the Mellencamp football field twice a week or three times a week sometimes. And that was not fun, but <laughs> yeah, it paid off. It definitely, like, I could feel it. It worked for sure. But, I mean, like you said, after the game, 
I was in the ocean. I don't know how I wasn't tired, but I would tell you that my toes were starting to cramp. I had one of <laughs> <laughs> but those turtles were pretty amazing. No, that was an amazing experience. That was definitely special. We went back the next day because Holly was like, we got to go back and do it again. We have to do it again before we go. Now, yeah. Mace, did you get in on the dolphin action? I did. The dolphins were, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Got to, it was, it was like, it was more of like a petting zoo thing. It wasn't like you were really swimming with them. We were kind of just like standing there and they were teaching us about dolphin and then the dolphin would swim by. You could touch the dolphin. Um, but definitely, it was definitely cool. I never, I would say never did that before. So it was definitely one of the you, coolest things. You said something that I do want to touch on. And I think Ward and I both kind of perked up at the same time. Woody kind of giving that over to Tim Garl is a little bit of like a throwback to when Bobby Knight was here and Tim Garl had a, I don't want to say bigger role because Tim Garl's had a major role in Indiana, as you know, throughout all the years, but a different role um, and, and more of like a, an advise, not an advisor, but more of a guy involved in that kind of stuff. And um, that's really interesting that, that Tim is doing that kind of stuff. Now, Tim's name comes up on our show all the time. You're a guy who has seen Tim a lot over the years. More than what you'd can like. you tell us about what Tim Garl is to Indiana University and specifically to you? Um, Indiana University, Timmy G, that's what we call him. Uh, I mean, he's definitely special, very high-respected man in our area. I mean, everybody shows him nothing but respect. I mean, obviously, he's – I don't know how good you guys know him. I know you know of him, but he's definitely a goofy character at the same time, too. So he's, like, very fun to be around. And then, I mean – to Indiana basketball, it's like, I don't know how long he's been there. My, more than my whole life, he's been Indiana basketball. So, I mean, he got all the stories. He has everything going in the locker room. Like, Timmy G, tell me a story. Snap, snap a story you never heard off in four years, five years. Been here. Snap a new story off. So, it's like, I mean, I just love Timmy G. Nothing but the best words for him. And then, like, to me, he's literally, like, I don't even know. He's, like, great friend, great person, great person to be around. I mean, I had a concussion. He took me, I slept at his house, like took care of me for a day and a half. Mm. I, I couldn't really definitely like real love for Timmy G always. Mm. Wow. I have not that that's amazing. Like, and we're gonna get into the concussion thing, but um, but wow, that that's pretty special when you have a guy like that who's been around as long as he has and he cares that much that he's like, No, you're gonna come stay with me. I'm gonna watch you for the next day and a half. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely well and you know, it's, it is kind of funny that just maybe like two or three weeks, maybe a month before you first saw Timmy G at the craps table, we saw Timmy G at the craps table and, and you obviously have this whole other perspective of him, of this fun loving guy. For me, at least I'd only seen serious at work, taking care of Indiana university basketball players, Timmy G but then down in French Lick to see him running the show at the craps table. I'm like, who's this guy? But that's, that's just another example of when you're outside of the program, no matter how long you've been following it and how big a fan you are, you just don't know what, what people are really like behind the scenes. Is, is there anything you learned about him down there in the Bahamas that you didn't already know? I mean, I've never seen him gamble or throw, uh, play crap. So I watched him. I hung out with him while he played. He taught me uh, some of the rules. I know, like, the basic rules of it, but he was teaching me, like, the the little tiny things because he's been playing for a while. He said, and that's his game. So, I mean, we definitely mess around in the locker room and 
uh, shoot jokes at each other. But I didn't know – I didn't really know that he was a craps player, like how he was. I didn't think he was that good at it. So uh, I thought that was funny for sure. <laughs> All right, let's do a little word association. I'm just going to say a player's name, and I want you to say the first thing that pops into your head. doesn't have to be one word. It can be a phrase. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Jordan Geronimo. Athlete. Anthony Leal. Goofy. Trey Galloway. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Um, Xavier Johnson. Mm. <laughs> uh, I think I'll wait for him. X. X is different. I'm going to say he's just different. Okay. Miller Cop. Hard worker. Michael Durr. Talented. He's talented. Parker Stewart. He's a player for sure. I mean, everybody thinks he's just a shooter, but he could play. Logan the mullet Duncan. Goofball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we did. We already did Trace and Rob, kind of. Yep. We, did, we did those. So I think did we hit everybody. Scoop, scoop. Ooh. Funniest player on the team. Really? Yeah. Always cracking jokes. Just, just the way he is. He's just funny. Everyone. He always has people laughing. Oh, that's good. I like that. Uh, Coach Yah. Um. Coach, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't He's know. He's a bit of a mystery. He's a bit well, of a and, mystery. And with coaches, we start getting into area where we could get race in trouble. <laughs> I, we're know. not going to ask you about Dane because we know you'll get in trouble. <laughs> oh, he'll say whatever he wants about Dane. Dane don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give us your impression of Woody. I mean, well, let's do Kenya. Let's do Kenya. Uh. Definitely, he's probably one of my favorite coaches from last year. So I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't have like one word for these dudes. Like That's okay. You don't have to have one word. It could just be anything you want to say about Kenya. Um, definitely, he motivates me a lot. So I say he's motivational for me. Oh, I like that. And then just give us your yeah. impression of Woody. Yes, yeah, scrap the one word thing. Coach Woodson has come into all of our lives now, mm -hmm. but for years it's now uh, a daily thing. What What do you got? Uh, I would say like being around him for, I don't know how long it's been, about three, three or four months, something like that, being actually around him. Uh, like just the way he coaches the game, the way he knows the game, he's probably like the best coach I've ever played for, just the way he knows basketball the way he can drop a play out the top of his head and y'all just watch it work. Um, and then just like off the court and stuff, like great human being um, truly cares about you. Like really can really feel that he like loves you and wants the best, nothing but the best for you. So I would say wow. he's definitely one of the best coaches I've ever played for. So not to skip ahead in your story, but when Woody came in, there was a lot of talk about players leaving and a lot of players entered the transfer portal. Some left, some didn't. There was, I think a lot of people assumed race that you were going to go, that you were, you know, you had been there for several years, that it made sense that you would probably go back home somewhere to play. 
but you didn't. Thank God. It's the proof that a God exists that you came back. Wow. But um, <laughs> what, um, what weighed into your decision to come back? How close were you to, to leaving? And where did Woody figure into that? Um, I would say Woody was like 90% of the reason I stayed, honestly. Um, but like when it came down to it, like when I was in, I went into the transfer portal basically to protect myself. Um, it wasn't that I wanted to leave IU. The, ray, the reason I was leaving is because I didn't want to be somewhere where I wasn't wanted. Um, like I talked to Coach Woody probably every day that he since he had the job to when I recommitted. And he really just told me that he wanted me there and that, telling me about himself and telling me what type of team he was trying to build and what, what he was all about and all that. Um, I don't think I don't think I was definitely like close to leaving. I was basically just weighing my options. Um, I mean, IU for me was always like at the top of my list, but at the same time, I was going to go where I was wanted. And like Coach Woody just, like, how could you say no to Coach Woods? Like, that's the, that's what I'm sitting here talking to my parents are like, how can I say no to this man? Like, he has the background, he has uh, the knowledge, he has literally everything you can want in a coach, he has it. Like, he'll push you to push you to be the best player you can be, be hard on you, but at the same time, like, be personable to who you are and, like, how you need to be coached. And, like, you just know that he cares. I do wonder, because obviously Coach Mike Roberts was was there for part of your time, but since Coach Woodson arrived, have has the – the, the history, and I think we're all very worried about the distant past of IU's glory days being something that we're all holding on to tightly. And, and some people mistakenly think a return to that is what is necessary to get back to greatness. You know, here you have a man who left for 30 years to play and coach at the highest level, and now he's back. But he he played for Coach Knight and some great Indiana teams. He was the Big Ten player of the year. Um, and and all of that family from that era he brings back. Are you are you feeling the importance of an IU guy coming back to lead the program? I mean, definitely, yeah. Uh, not like knocking on coach Miller or nothing but I mean we we preached the same thing last year and the year before that coach Miller said you wear Indiana on your chest and you are representing not just yourself you represent Indiana so I mean it's not the same message but it's a similar message um but I, I do think that coach Woodson is able to like really really motivate us because he's been there and he's done it at Indiana too so he knows what it's like being here and playing here he knows what it's like so I think that the message really gets through when he says it. It's funny to me because race, you've always seemed like a guy that Bob Knight would have loved to coach. Like you, the way you play, the toughness you play with the attitude, you just there, you're the blue collar guy. You do the little things, the hustle plays. You never, there's never a bad attitude ever. You just play and you just like keep moving ahead. I, I do wonder if Woody, when he saw tape of you, was like, this is this is this is the kind of guy that Indiana has built championship teams with, and I want him back. And I'm just wondering if Woody, what Woody communicated to you during that time that made you want to come back. I mean, basically what he said is he just wants me to play confident. He wants me to play, he wants me to shoot threes, he wants me to handle the ball, he wants me to be a basketball player and not be one-dimensional. Um wants to make me the best player that he can possibly make me in the time that I'm here. So I think that really was one thing he said to me. And then 
I think just really like his background and all that stuff was really just uh, you can't say no to Coach Woodson. I don't know how any recruit can say no to him. Honestly, I don't. Wow, know. love hearing that. Love to hear that. Let's pull back the curtain just a little bit on he wants you to shoot threes. You shot forty five percent from three point land in high school, but at the same time, you know you're still considered a big on the team. So now that and we know defense has been the priority, but as offense is being implemented and coached up, are you seeing in this four out one in system or whatever you want to call it that coach Woodson is starting to implement where there'll actually be an opportunity for you to shoot from the outside? Definitely. Definitely. He told, he literally says, it's going to be, if you don't shoot threes, it's going to be a problem. Like <laughs> if I don't shoot three, he gets mad. He gets super mad if I don't shoot it. So it's just, honestly, it's just really fun playing for him. All the other coaches get mad if you don't shoot the ball. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna shoot the ball. <laughs> it's just fun. Like you just, they just want you to go out there and play basketball. So, really, the only thing Coach Wilson is really coaching on is defense, and then on offense is where you get to have fun. Is what he says. Wow, how uh, how good did it feel to drain that three in the Bahamas in that second game? No, I felt good. Definitely start the game off that way. It was definitely fun. Definitely. Yeah, that the whole crowd just kind of looked at each other like, "Oh my God, it's happening! It's <laughs> happening!" Um. All right, Race, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Minneapolis. Let's go back to growing up in a family that is just as accomplished as you can possibly get in athletics. And my first question about your childhood is, when did you realize as a kid that, like, your dad was something special? Uh, I would say, so when I started, I don't know how old I was, I would say, I don't know. Yeah, we went to we used to go to University of Minnesota football games with my grandparents. And when we would leave, because my dad did the radio, when we would leave, it took us an hour and a half, two hours to leave because my dad, everybody knew my dad, and my dad is a good person, so he's gonna sit down and wait and talk to everybody because we talk to him. So I mean, that's really when I re- realized it. Um, and then honestly, just throughout the years, I kind of just got used to it and I was just like whatever and then again like you start realizing more when you're going on AU trips and people know who he is even out of the state mm. so like yeah he is kind of a big deal i guess but i mean he's just a good dude overall so he, he's very humble about it so you would never you would never really know unless you knew you wouldn't i mean he is like you said i mean he is just the most unassuming nice sweet man that you can come across oh and also he would tear your ass up on a football field. That's yeah. what he would do. Just run you over. Yeah. Um, so when, as a child, did, did you start to become serious about athletics? Was it, how much was it just you were a product of your environment and everybody else had done it or was doing it? Um, how much was it that they, they encouraged you and said, no, this is what you're going to do. This is what we do in this family. I think this is what I enjoyed doing. It was never like, this is what we do. You have to do this. I remember uh, me sitting down. I think I was talking. I don't remember who I was talking to, but I told my dad in my sophomore year of high school that I was, I'm not playing football anymore. And I, for a second, thought he'd be like, why? Like, why not? He was just like, you don't want to play football? I was like, no, I think I just want to focus on basketball and just be all in on basketball. And he was just like, okay, let's do it. And that's wow. what, I, I mean, it was never pushed. It was always like, what do you want to do? Like, this is like, basically, like, he was never like, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. Like, sure, race, you have to go outside, you can't, can't play video games all day, 
but you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, basically. Mm. Well, I do wonder because it, it feels like there would be an advantage in, in growing up in the household of, of parents who are both great athletes that like, is it by example, or you'd ask and they tell you, or is around the dinner table, like the discipline that is required to, to do something you love, but to take it to the level where you can play basketball for Indiana university. What did you glean from them? Or did they share with you to, to help you be successful and, and to the point where you you're on this podcast <laughs> yeah, the high water mark. <laughs> yeah. I would say it was definitely just guidance. I wasn't like like I would ask a whole bunch of questions. It was just like like Ray, you had to go to bed. Like you had to do this. Like turn your phone off, go to bed. Do eat this. Eat 20 minutes before you go to the game. Uh you have to go try to go get some shots up today. Go do something. Go work out today. Go do this. And it wasn't like I didn't want to do it. I just needed the guidance to go do it. Because they know what it takes to take your game to the highest level that you can take it. So basically it was just the guidance of them pushing me to get there. And then even now, like I'll go home and I'll sit down for a half hour with my dad and he'll tell me like what I need to work on or not even what I need to work on, just like what it takes, what sacrifice you have to make in order to get it where you want to go, basically. Well, what's interesting is you did play other sports, obviously, uh, mm -hmm. and you gave baseball a try too. Right. And, and from what I understand, we're pretty good at baseball, but I was wondering if you could just explain this for us, <laughs> if you could just walk us through how in a baseball game, this happens. Uh, <laughs> that happened. So my, my little league team, we were pretty, we took it pretty serious because it was like, we had like an all-star team too. And we wanted to make it to the Little League World Series. What's going on right now? And like half of our all-star team was on my Little League team. So we would like, before games, I remember we went to our coach's house. He had like a half a baseball field in his backyard. And we would, he had like a homemade batting cage in his backyard. And he was throwing pitches to me before the game, like to warm up and hit. And one was like high, it was high and inside. And I don't know why I swung at it. I swung like, chopped at it basically and it just foul balled off my bat like bing bing and just hit me in the eye oh <laughs> and did you play the game yeah i mean yeah. see the I toughness I, I think i started pitching really <laughs> <laughs> um i, I have a question oh are you following up on that i i was just about the guidance thing because okay. you talked about the the guidance and um and how your parents led you the right way I'm curious where uh, the guidance was on something like this. If you could just talk about the guidance, I'll just zoom in here. I don't know if you guys can see, but let's first talk about this hair color. Cause I look at your hair now race and it does not look like this color. Um, that is a bad picture, but um, that was, I think what grade I was in. I want to say I was in like fifth or sixth grade. So my whole team, we were like, let's dye our hair blonde for our state tournament. No, no, no. We always did something stupid. Like one year we all had got mohawks. One year we got did this. And then basically I said, well, I want to dye my hair blonde. And then she ended up dyeing all of my hair blonde. She did my eyebrows blonde. She did everything blonde. <laughs> the eyebrows. 
I didn't want to do my eyebrows, and she made me do my eyebrows blonde because she <laughs> better. But I did it. Uh, it seems like the relationship with your parents. I mean, you talked about the guidance. It just seems um, so healthy. I don't know how else to say it. Like, and look, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but look, I'm a 43 year old man. I have a 13 year old son, 11 year old daughter, and an eight year old daughter, and when I saw you interacting with your parents and, and specifically your mom and sister in the Bahamas, you guys just seemed so super close. Like there was never a feeling of like, oh, I'm too cool to hang out with my parents. You all genuinely seem to really love each other and be yeah. uh, enjoy each other's company. Can you just talk about that? Like how important your family is to you? Well, my family is everything to me. Um, I mean, like I said, whoever would I be without them? I wouldn't be anywhere without my family and I'm grateful for them every single day. Um, but like I said, we've had a family dynamic. Obviously there's days that are better than other days. Um, we're in paradise. How could we not be happy? Um, but I think that the, our relationship has just honestly gotten better as I've grown older, like um, maturing more, just understanding like the reasons they made me do things. Like I say, the guidance, like there was times where I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I need to do that. Like, trust me, like, you want this, you'll be grateful for me in 10 years, five years. And I look back on that now, and that's why our relationship is so strong. My mom and dad, like, you've seen my mom, me and my dad laugh the same way, have fun the same way. Like, my dad just doesn't get in the ocean and swim with turtles how me and my mom do. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, my family's everything. Um, it's like I said, I wouldn't be anywhere without them, so it's grateful. So growing up, falling in love with the game of basketball as you eventually did. Who were some of the players you looked up to who inspired you, got you excited about the game, collegiate or professional? Uh, I would say Kevin Durant, LeBron James. I think those are like my main two. I mean, how could you they're, not? They're pretty good. They're pretty I mean, good. Like they're the best players. Like I enjoy watching them, like best scorers who play both ends. So it's like, that's what I like watching. I mean, I never was huge on the NBA, and I always watched college basketball growing up. My family always watched college basketball. I don't think I've never, like, had a favorite college basketball player. Uh, I always watch Big Ten. I always watch Big Ten basketball, so. Well, your family, I mean, it's a Big Ten family. It's yeah. Iowa. It's Minnesota. It's Wisconsin. I mean, it's the only one that went elsewhere was San Diego State, right? Indigo went to San Diego State. Mm -hmm. But it does seem like you're a family built by and for the Big Ten. Tough, like just no attitude. Like it just all seems like you are all cut from the same cloth of it's about the sport, it's about the team, and just focus on that. And it's not about like the individual achievement will come, but that's not what this thing is about. Yeah, I think that my whole life I've always played to win. I don't play for my personal accolades or anything like that. I enjoy winning and I hate losing. So I'll do what it takes to win as long as I get to win. Cause that's really all that matters to me. So let's talk about, you're obviously getting, I mean, you're, you're becoming one of the best players in the country in, in high school. You're being ranked in the top hundred, the top 75, mm -hmm. you're on all-star teams and recruiting starts. Um, how helpful was it that you had a dad who went through kind of high level recruiting? I would think, I know the recruiting world is different than it was, mm -hmm. but 
when that started, was that overwhelming for you or did your dad really help you navigate through that? Uh, it was definitely a little bit overwhelming. Um, I mean, it was a lot on my plate. I remember that day hit, uh, I don't remember where I was. I think I was actually at home and that day hit when the coach can first text you and my phone just was like, just blowing up. And I was like, I can't do this for two years. There's no way I can just text people back all the time, call people back all the time for two years. I'm a pretty like keep to myself person. I mean, I have my people and I kind of just like float and, and stay tight with them. And like, I think that like when that first started, it was definitely tough. And then I was able to bounce things off my dad, uh, bounce things off my mom and really just tell people like, talk to my mom, talk to my dad. And then we can reconvene at dinner time and really talk about it then. Cause I was like, I think not do this by myself. So I think like having my dad go through that at some point, I think it helps see through the, like what's real, what's not real. I mean, coaches will tell you what you want to hear if they want you to be there. So I mean like, keeping it real of who you are and like what you can do and what you think you can do. So I think that being able to see what's real and seeing someone who went through it, I think that actually helped a lot. So take us through the process of how you whittled it down to the schools you were seriously considering. And then of course, how you finally decided Indiana university was the place you were going to be. Um, okay. Uh, like I said, I went back in the transfer cause I wanted to be somewhere where somebody wanted me bad. And the final schools who I felt wanted me bad was like Iowa State, Marquette, um, Indiana. I don't, I don't even remember what those. Well, those are like my main three. I remember those were my main three, and it was hard. I remember um, talking with the coaches. I had a great relationship with Neil Barry, who he's at. He was at Texas last year. I think he's at Marquette now. Um, I had a great relationship with uh, what was his name? I think Stan Johnson, he was at Cincinnati Marquette and he got a head coaching job somewhere. I don't remember. I don't know where he's at now. And then Tom Ostrom, I had a great, great relationship with. My mom had a great relationship with. My mom had a great relationship with all these people. So I remember like sitting there, I was like, all right, these are the schools that I feel want me the most. And then where can I be most successful in these situations? And I felt like that was Indiana based off the platform, based off the um, – Coach Miller, based off of who I can and what I believe I can do, I felt Indiana was the best fit for me based off the team, based off everything, where I would fit in and all that. So I felt that Indiana was just overall was the best, and that's really what led me to that decision was doing what's best for me and what's best for me and being somewhere where I felt where I was wanted, like, bad. Not just, like, I kind of want them, throw them over. Like, you know, if you want me, you want me. Was there any um, – I, I don't know if it was your choice or their choice – Obviously, your dad is a legend at Minnesota, and there's some other family connections to Minnesota. Was Minnesota never part of the equation for you? They were. They were a part of it for a little while. And then uh, one of my best friends, he committed there. And then they just they didn't have no offers left. And I was just like, I mean, I, would, I probably wouldn't have went there anyway. Like, no disrespect to Minnesota or nothing, but I kind of just wanted to go, like, somewhere else. I didn't – I know that. I'm my own person, and that if I had went to Minnesota, I would be building my own legacy or whatever. But at the same time, like, I still, like, in my own head, in my own – but I feel like I was living in a shadow, and I didn't really – I didn't want to do that. No disrespect to my dad, no disrespect to anybody. I just no, thought, no, no. I, I Look, it's part of growing I, up. I mean, yeah. I think that's part of being becoming your own man. 
Do you remember your first visit to Indiana and to Bloomington? And what, what was your impression of the campus? I only took one visit. Only took one visit. It was an official visit. Um, and it was, it was so different from what I was accustomed to. Um, visiting Minnesota, visiting Marquette. Like, those are just dead in the city. Like, right. the city, downtown Minneapolis, downtown Milwaukee. Like, you're in the city. And then Bloomington, you come here, and it's just like, this is Bloomington, Indiana. This is Indiana University. Like, right. this is a college town. This is the best of college. Like, this, this no matter what, it's going to be fun on the floor, fun off the floor. Like, no fans. Like, I remember the first thing, one of the first things I did was bring me into Assembly Hall and show me, like, the hype video. And I just remember getting goosebumps, like, through my whole body. And I was like, whoa, like, this is crazy. I never... <laughs> I've watched it on TV, but it doesn't amount to, like, when you actually get in there and you see, like, what it's capable of being, it's like, yeah, this place can get loud. It can be fun playing here. And I just remember, I was like, it'd be sick to play here. Like, then end up having a good relationship and end up working out. Well, you mentioned Coach Ostrom, and we were talking about this before you came on, the importance of Kenya Hunter, you know, uh, that even – through coaching changes that an assistant coach like coach Hunter, who's remained there has been able to bring some guys into the program or potentially into the program, despite a head coaching change. So, and, and the, the coaches you mentioned at the other schools that were your finalists, those were assistant coaches. You had those relationships with is, is it almost like the assistant coach is, is the representative throughout the process to let you know how much, the head coach wants you or is it like I really know and trust coach Ostrom and and I'm just wondering if we all aren't giving enough credit to assistant coaches for being one of if not the main reason a player comes to play for a school I think the assistant coaches probably need a little more credit um I mean of course I talk to head coaches a lot but I felt like I've talked to assistant coaches more than I've talked to head coaches throughout recruiting processes. When I was in the transfer portal, when I was in high school, you talk to the assistant coach before you talk to most head coaches. I mean, occasionally you get a head coach call. I mean, I'm sure different, different players get different calls. Like I'm sure Trace was hearing from head coaches or all the time, but I mean, I was working my way up in the ranks, but I was, I was hearing from head coaches and assistant coaches, but I think that, I built the best relationship with assistant coaches because that's who's texting you all day. That's who's calling you to check, see what, just literally see what's up, like what you're doing. Or, but the assistant coaches definitely probably need some more credit for real because they're putting in hours. When did the conversation start, Race, about you forgoing your senior year in high school and, and redshirting at Indiana? Or was that a conversation you were having with multiple schools? Uh, I had that conversation with Marquette and I had this conversation with Indiana and Iowa State. So was that something that came from you? Was that something that you and your family had discussed and you floated it or did? Yeah. Oh, it yeah. was. What, what was what was the thinking behind that? Uh, my body was beat up and I realized that I had probably like six credits left to graduate in high school. Cause I had never really taken a study hall. So I was just taking classes and 
um, I guess I was like, I mean, like I remember playing 17 AAU and I would play like two games in a weekend. We played four games and I literally couldn't play the last two games because my knees had tendonitis in them so bad. Wow. And I was like, I just can't, like, I'm just beating my body up. So I remember I took a visit and Tim Garl told me, he's like, I can fix your knees in a month or two months. I was like, okay. <laughs> we ended up floating uh, um, the idea out, and then everybody was like, those three schools said they could do it. And I was like, I mean, so we ended up doing that. So I'm basically traveling for AU, taking classes in the hotel room while people are going and hanging out, going out to eat and stuff. So it was just, I mean, it wasn't the most fun, but I mean, it ended up working out for the better, I think. Yeah, I mean, so then, I mean, obviously you commit to Indiana. Uh, the, the fan base is going crazy because you were one of the first commitments of that Archie Miller era. And, and, and the idea that you were forgoing your senior year of high school, everybody just got so excited about because it it's like, wow, this guy is really committed to being here. He knows he's going to sit out for a year. As a competitor, though, how hard was that year just sitting out and watching the team play? Uh, it was hard. It was so hard. It was probably like one of the hardest things I've had to do. I mean, like, sure, when I first got there, I was probably not ready to play. And I just know that I was practicing and I was on the scout team and I was just, I was out there just playing with everybody. It wasn't like anybody was significantly better than me, I felt, at that time. And I felt like if he needed me, I could go out there and, I mean, do what I did. Basically, I mean, I'm not, I've gotten better, but I mean, I was still good when I got here. Right. So, like, I feel like I could have did something. But, I mean, it's definitely hard to just go from being the best player that is on your team to watching. Yeah. Right. Now, you weren't just watching because you did undergo one of the all-time great body transformations. I mean, yeah. you came in as a big guy. You're a big, strong dude. But after that first year, you look like a freaking transformer. <laughs> and... And we know Cliff Marshall will put out the well-lit before and after pictures to really oil you up and get you <laughs> after a workout. But um, when you looked at those pictures, were you amazed at who are you talking to? Who are you talking to right now? My girlfriend. She's right oh, here. we'll put her on. Let's say hi to your girlfriend. <laughs> Come, Come on, girlfriend. She doesn't want to be. Oh, there we go. Hi there. What's what's your name? Riley. Hi, Riley. Who's the dog? This is Ruby. Hi, Ruby. What kind of dog is Ruby? She's a mini golden doodle. Oh, I have a cockapoo. They look like they could be related. Uh -huh. Now, now, Riley, is that your dog or is it Race and your dog together? Um, well, she was my dog before. Yeah, she's my dog. <laughs> look at Race is like, I'm not taking responsibility. It's her dog. All right. Well, Riley, nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you. Is Riley trying to get you to wrap this up? Is that what's happening? No, no, she's good. All right, good. good. The dog was squeaking the toy. It was too loud. I don't, know <laughs> could, I don't know how I didn't hear it. I was loud. I think Zoom does a really good job of eliminating background noise. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let, let me ask you this. About... Wait, wait, wait. We got to get an answer. I want to button that, that topic. I didn't hear his response to it. Oh, sorry. It was about that the topic. Go ahead, sir. Just if you could talk about when you looked at those pictures of your before and after, after that first year, what did you think? Uh, damn, like, 
Yeah. I mean, my body changed a lot. I mean, I feel like when I got there, I was still young and I was still had like a lot of baby fat uh, on me. Um, and then like really just cleaned up my diet a little bit. I'm not even that I ate bad. It was just like, there's little things that you can take out and put in your diet to make your body change significantly in a period of time. And Coach Cliff put me on it. And I mean, I was lifting more than anybody and I was doing extra conditioning, doing extra works out, workouts and stuff. So, I mean, my body was just slowly like just changing. It's like I lost weight and then I gained it back in a different way. It was, it was right. crazy, honestly. Yeah, it looked crazy. Yeah. It's like well, it's and obviously you you had time to to focus on that transformation. I do wonder because you are still practicing. You're 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 playing. Uh, you're going against the other guys who are getting playing time. But um, does it does it maybe give you a little extra time to acclimate to being on your own, being at college? Do you think you got to settle in a little bit as a student? Um, because the focus wasn't as much on game night? Definitely, definitely. I think I got, especially being far away from home, where I don't get to just go home, I was able to make friends and go out and have fun and just do what everybody wants to do without worrying about, I have a game tomorrow, I have to do this, I have to do that. Like, I just have to go, I don't know, go lift tomorrow or something. Like, I mean, I think that that year really helped me settle in, like you said, to really, I think I grew, I actually think I grew up the most that year between my, my freshman year and going into my soft, richer freshman year, I guess. Right. Grew up a lot. So I think um, yeah, who, who became like your best friend on the team that first year? Was there somebody that you just kind of attached to early on? Oh, uh, I mean, Justin Smith, Al Durham, Clifton Moore, and Ethan Lasko, all of us freshmen, uh, we used to have a ton of fun together. It was, those are our guys. We talk, we talk all the time still, so. So it's just good talking to him. It, you know, this is the reality of college basketball today. And, and I, it actually makes me somewhat sad. Everyone you mentioned is not at Indiana anymore. Now, now some for, I think, their own reasons and some maybe not. But just as a, you're a good dude and they were your friends, how hard is that to, to, to watch your friends kind of go through that over the years and, and kind of one by one see them leap? It was literally one by one. I watched them all leave. And I mean, like, they're real people. And I'm, I know who I am. I know I'm a real person. And I know that no matter what, like, not that we went through anything, like, traumatic or nothing. But, like, we grew up. We went. We, were, we spent that first year away from home, like, together, like, nonstop, 24-7. And, like, I think, like, no matter what, those will be my guys for however long. Even if, even if I only knew Ethan for a year and a half before he left. Clifton for two and a half years, Justin for four years, three years, Al for four years. Like, no matter what, like, those will be my guys because, like, we made memories that I'll never forget. So, to be, and to be fair, Race, you've been there long enough that everybody else should be gone at this point. <laughs> I've, been, I've been there long enough. Uh, um, but I'm wondering if there was an upperclassman, maybe somebody who took you under their wing a little bit and kind of showed you the ropes, helped get you prepared for what it would require to, to survive being an Indiana basketball player. Yeah. Juwan, Juwan Morgan, for sure. Uh, Juwan Morgan, definitely. Like, I feel like he really took me under his wing and pushed me every day in practice. He always wanted me to guard him. He always wanted 
all this and there. I mean, he, I'm mean, not that he was, he wasn't bullying nobody or nothing, but he, he knew that. I think he saw something in me that he wanted me to be like the next him or the next whatever. Uh-huh. Obviously, I want to be me because if Juwan had came back today, I would beat him in one v one. But yeah, Juwan, definitely Juwan. How cool was it to see Juwan make it to the NBA? Uh, it was it was real cool actually because I mean I think I think a lot of people doubted him. Um, I mean, I think our whole team believed in him. We seen what he could do. And I think that what we saw was just a glimpse of what we, we knew he could do because he would do things in games that would surprise us. And he would do things in practice that would surprise us. And he was also just a smart basketball player. Overall. Totally. So I think that that really just helped him. And I think, I mean, he's blessed now. I mean, he's doing great. Yeah, he is. You still talk to him? Uh, not as much as we used to. I mean, I talked to him probably once or twice a month. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. a that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, Al Durham always seemed like such a happy-go-lucky guy that just his smile just lit up a room. What, give us a little. Is there something funny you remember specifically about Al, or or some story you can share? I mean, I remember one story I always think about with Al's when I'm at practice. We always circle stretch after every practice. We had like this was like beginning of the year. Our I want to say it was our freshman year or sophomore year. Freshman or sophomore year, beginning of the year. And we had like a three and a half hour practice and we were dead tired after I remember. And we like lay down the stretch. And next thing I hear is Al's over there, like, ooh, and he's like yelling. And he's like sitting there, like locked up, like everything in his body is completely locked up. His whole body, his whole body cramped up. Like <laughs> Every single part of his body was cramped. <laughs> like, you know, when somebody gets like knocked out and their like body's like locked up, that's really what he looked like. Like this? Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, that was like one of the funniest things. I mean, I'm sure he was in pain. He was a full body ice tank at that, but that was definitely one of the funnier, funnier moments I could share with Al. Oh, that's great. That's great. So let's get to that 2018 19 year, which there was a lot of promise in that year. One, obviously, Romeo, mm-hmm. uh, you know, much ballyhooed, uh, big-time recruit for Archie and the staff. You've had a year now to get healthy and change your body and get under your belt. And this season was just snake bit is really what it ends up being. Um, you, you come out and you have some nagging little injuries to start the year, but yeah. you play against Montana State, and it's like, okay – Let's get race into the mix here. And then, I mean, I don't think it's too strong of a, of, of a way to say this, but your life gets derailed by this concussion. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, race. This thing was like a mystery. There's all kinds of HIPAA laws and all that. I know, but like fans, it, this was like a bigger mystery than the JFK assassination. <laughs> Nobody knew what the hell happened. Nobody knew how bad it was. And all we heard was that, like, you couldn't be in a room with lights. I mean, that's it was that bad. Can you tell us what happened? Uh, yeah, we were doing a two-on-two drill. And I was on I was on Romeo's team. We were going against Justin and uh, Demise Anderson. And I caught the ball and I tripped. And, like, the ball was rolling in front of me. And I, like, dove to tap it to Romeo. And as I dove, uh, Demise was, like, lunging to get the ball. And his knee hit me like dead in my temple. Yeah. Oh. 
It was like sides, so like my whole like jaw. I remember my whole jaw hurt, my whole side of my head hurt, my temple hurt, my head hurt. I mean, the best way I can like describe it was like what I was seeing was like if anybody's played Call of Duty and they get hit by like a, a stun grenade, and like yeah. everything is like foggy and like moving slow, like on the edges of your screen or whatever. And like you look and it's like delayed when you look places like. Did that yeah. happen immediately? Did is that what was your vision like, impaired immediately? Impaired was instantly. It was like it looked like it was like white clouds, like around what I was seeing, and it was like everything was slow. Like I was seeing people running, and it was like I was seeing like twenty legs. Like I was like, yeah. it was tweaking. I had to get out of there, and I remember as I was getting out of there, like the more I got calmed down, like the worse it was getting. And yeah, it was it was definitely tough. It was definitely. Yeah, did you did you throw up? Was there like I didn't throw up? I remember I sat in the training room. I had I sat in a dark room for like two hours. I remember our academic advisor came in there to check on me because me and her have a we have a really good relationship too, where she's been good to me as I've been like away from home and helped me with a lot of stuff. So she came in there to check on me, and I remember her coming in there and she was like, she said she was whispering to me. And I remember you telling you, like, stop yelling. Like, why are you yelling? And she said, I'm not yelling. I'm literally whispering. So, like, everybody's voices were, like, magnified. I remember that. I was like, this is, this is pretty, this is scary. I remember that's the night I spent at Timmy G's house because they wanted to make sure that my brain wasn't bleeding. And, right. yeah, I remember getting, I remember I had a towel. I had a towel tied around my head. So, like, I wheelchaired out with a towel tied around my head for, like, I don't know. I, don't even, I barely remember that day, honestly, but I remember like specs of it. I remember in the Timmy G's house, I remember the wheelchair and the towel tied around my head. I mean, it was a, it was a blur. Yeah. Well, I, and it's been like 25 plus years for me since I had a couple, but I know like there can still be things like a light sensitivity or like a migraine, they've got more and more mild over the years, but I'm wondering, is it still something that you have to, to manage? Um, I think like the only like little side effect that stayed with me since then is like, they do like this little trick where you follow your finger with your eyes. And like, that was one of my biggest symptoms is when I was trying to come back is like, if you can't pass this test, like we're not going to be able to let you play. And like my eyes would like follow it for a second. And then, like, the second go back around, they would start shaking. If my mm-hmm. eyeballs start shaking like that. And they were like, yeah, you still have a concussion. Like, you can't you can't focus on this. Things are going double. I mean, the doctor said it's one of the worst concussions they've seen in, like, their careers. So I was like, this is not fun. So, so we're, I guess, in the immediate aftermath for, like, like, was it months of headaches and going through protocol and them just saying, nope, you're still not ready? And, and in that time, what, if anything, were you able to do? Um, I remember I would go to the doctor twice a week in the football stadium, once or twice a week. I don't remember exactly, but I remember I'd go there and he'd check on me. And every week it was like, no, no, not yet. And then I remember one week he said, you can get on doing a little something. And I remember I started lifting weights. And I got dizzy, like, immediately. And I was like, mm. no, can't do that. So I didn't lift weights. And then I remember all I could really do was get on a bike. Like, I had to do something because, like, being who I am and being an athlete, like, 
if you don't work out for a certain amount of time, you start feeling like crap. Like, yeah, you need to work out. So, I remember that was definitely tough. One of the toughest parts was just not being able to work out because it would mess my head up and make me feel sick. But basically, all I could do was get on the bike until I was non-contact in practice. I couldn't lift weights until it was basically done. Well, it, it, it had to be so. And and of course, you didn't play your red shirt year so now you're not playing again i I just how like lonely of of an experience is that because no matter being the teammates are around or you go to a class did was it was it just an isolating experience it was very isolating it was very very isolating like i couldn't i didn't go to class for one i was excused from class i couldn't go to practice for i don't know how long um I really couldn't do not, nothing, honestly, except for go to the doctor and go see Timmy G and go home. So, I mean, it was definitely one of the lowest points. But I think, like, going through that has helped me in the long run. So I'm grateful that it happened. I'm grateful that I learned who I was and how strong I am. So, Well, the other thing that was happening while you were going through that horrible experience off the court, Indiana was going through a pretty horrible experience on the court. And we were losing, that's the the 12 out of 13 games, clearly could use you. You do make it back, you know, by the end of the year. And you have a bit of a coming out party uh, on the defensive side, especially when we play Wisconsin and you guard all world Ethan Happ. Yeah. And Ethan Happ's a guy who had killed Indiana. And we hate him. I mean, like we hate everybody, but he, we hate him especially because he's this big, goofy white guy and he's just crushing us. And we're like, can't somebody stop him? And here comes Race Thompson and you stopped him and you pulled down seven rebounds. That did feel like your first kind of real moment of like, yeah, it's coming. Yeah. What is that game? What do you remember about that game? I remember like feeling like real emotional after that game. I remember, like, I almost was in tears. I was like, dang, like, this was, like, the best. This is, like, what I've been waiting. I wanted to play. Like, that's coming off. That, that's the year I had a concussion. So, like, coming back and being able to play. And then I remember Jawan fouled out. And I remember them being like, Ray, stay ready. Stay ready. I was like, I mean, we heard that a lot. And you don't go in the game. So, I was like, I mean, all right, we, we go see. And then Justin, <laughs> I think Justin fouled out. And then, like, race. And I was like, shoot, let's go. Like, I don't know, people were like, were you nervous? Were you nervous? I was like, I wouldn't say nervous. I was like excited, like jittery almost. Cause like, I was like, this is like, who doesn't want to play like in crucial time in the game? Like, I want to say double overtime, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. Double overtime at home. It was loud. Uh, I mean, that was definitely like one of the more memorable games for me. Just, as a, oh, I don't even know if I want to say coming out. Probably like I really was just playing defense and rebounding. I think Indiana fans figured out who I was. That I'll do what it takes to win. Um, but that game really just felt good to be able to contribute to a win and actually like play like real real minutes. Yeah, I mean it was it it was for the fans who I say coming out party because we've been so desperate to see you play in big competition. And here it finally was against the evil villain, Ethan Happ. And, and you more than held your own. And then you get bit by like the virus bug at the end of that year. 
and missed the first two games in the NIT. Yeah, yeah, yep. I mean, like I said, the whole year just seemed snake. This is also the year that Jerome Hunter is injured as well. So it just felt like nothing went right for Indiana that year, and clearly not a lot went right for you personally, Jerome personally. Um, Just how frustrated were you? I said, like, that was one of the hardest years of my life. I went through playing basketball my whole life and literally rolled my ankle, not even sprained my ankle. was, like, the worst thing, basically. I guess I tore ligaments in my thumb when I was 15, 16 years old, but nothing that was, like, you can't do anything. Like, like from sitting in your room all day during the season, watching every game, and then – you get back, you go play in the games, and then boom, it's just it was just like something after the other. Like that year, even before I got the concussion, I had like three injuries before that. Mm. My back, my hip, my hip flexor, something else. And then like I'm getting back from that. They're like, okay, Rich, you're gonna play this Marquette game, and then boom, concussion. And then you get back. And it was just it was just something after the other. So like when I got sick, I was mad, but I can honestly say that I really was not surprised that it happened. <laughs> yeah, it just felt like it was not your year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. even know. Sorry, coach. I don't know what's going on with me. <laughs> well, it was the only year for one of the three foremost heralded recruits in the history of Indiana University. Mm-hmm. And I wonder when the the Romeo show came to town and all of the hype and media that that came with it what was it actually like to to have Romeo around and, and what kind of guy was he? Because there's this myth coming into town, but then he's actually just the dude on your basketball team. Romeo is, I, I love Romeo. I mean, he come back every now and then. And obviously he's busy now. He's playing the NBA, but like a lot of people think that Romeo was like bad teammate, bad this, bad that. Like, no, Romeo was unselfish. He would do what it takes to win. Like great person fun to be around. There was never an off-the-court problem, nothing. Like, we all always had fun. There was no beef in the locker room. There was no – none of that. It was just fun. Like, we always have had fun. There's never been, like, a real beef in the locker room. Any – any – I remember there was things, like, people were saying, and we're like, what? That is not even true. Like, that's the one thing I can say that's different was when Ronnie was on the team versus when he wasn't was there was a whole bunch of, like, fake news reported from – Oh, Yeah. Yeah. There was that Devante knocked him out because Romeo was with somebody's girl. Yeah, no. It Total was all BS. BS, right? Yes, yeah. Man, it was good BS. I mean, it was good. It was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good story. It's a good story. Um, let's go into the 2019-20 season. So now you're back and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Archie Miller's third year where I think everybody thought like, okay, we've seen two rough years. Now this is where things start to turn. And it did turn really for the team and and for you. And when you look at the season, as I looked back and and watched some some highlights of games and, and looked at box scores, for you, it really was a tale of two seasons. You didn't play all that much the first half of the season, mm-hmm. uh, some spa- sparingly, but then – Michigan State comes around and you used more and and it seems like wow race is a factor here and then 
again, you take this crazy fall in the Michigan State game where I just thought, I mean, literally, race, when you took the fall, I thought, he's dead. He's dead. I mean, it's over. He's going to be in a full body cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, you took, you, you're a big guy and you fell hard. It did seem like that's it. He'll never come back from this. What do you remember about that specific moment? And did that narrative of, oh, he's starting to play again, and then it gets taken away from him again with injury, did that play into your head at all? Yeah. Yeah, that was – because I felt like I was starting, like – like I was playing. Like I actually started the game playing good. Um, and then I remember I went to go catch the ball, and Xavier Tillman hit me awkwardly in the air. My One of my feet flew up in the air, and I hit my – like hip and like if i would have just went to a chiropractor like that day i'd have been fine really my one of my legs got like knocked out of place it was like an inch or two like longer than the other leg i could barely walk one of your legs was knocked out of socket so that it was longer than the other one it was like knocked out of place and like one of my hips was higher than the other one like i could still walk it wasn't broken or out of place it was just like I guess it was out of place, but it wasn't like dislocated or nothing. It was just like shifted wrong from the fall. <laughs> I can barely lift my leg up. I don't know what's going on. I went to a chiropractor. He like messed with it a little bit. And I felt like I was like, whoa. And I felt my, I was obviously still sore from like the fall, but like I could walk. And like I literally couldn't pick my leg up after that walk, after I fell. But you only missed three games. You come back, you're a warrior. You come back, and yeah. really, it seemed like the moment you came back, until where we are now, truthfully, it's been a straight line kind of up for you, which, you know what, y- you deserve it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But but it did seem like something clicked for you around the Michigan State game, and it when you came back, you played 24 minutes against Iowa, 10 points, four rebounds, four steals, and a huge win for Indiana that year. D- did... I mean, you didn't play that much because of injuries and and, and usage, but yeah. did something click for you? Did the game slow down in some way? I think, like, I knew how bad I wanted to play and, like, getting a taste of what I know I can do, like, in a game and how I can impact the game was really just, like, a confidence booster. Like, I always tell, like, our young guys who are struggling with, like, their confidence, I said, bro, like, you can do this. Like, you could like... I know you can do this. I've been through the lowest moments. I've been high on um, some of the highest moments. I'm not even say the highest because we really, I can not knock. We ain't really did nothing since I've been here. I want to. We're trying to change that around this year. But like I felt good about how I'm playing, and like it's really just a confidence. Like you guys just believe in yourself. So I think that's really all it was. Like I saw I could do it. I proved to myself that I could do it, and that's really just where we are now. Well, and the whole team was starting to write the ship and in a brutal big 10 conference Mm -hmm. scraping out just enough wins and you win the first game in the big 10 tournament and then there's a worldwide virus set loose (laughs) to once again trip you up and trip up the team like how did you guys deal with the news first when when the uh, Penn State game was canceled and then just with the idea that here it had really seemed you'd finally earned a berth into the the tournament and even that was taken away from you how do you how do you cope with that honestly I remember I remember that I remember we beat Nebraska and their coach was sick (laughs) I remember we were like 
freaking out a little bit about it. And um, so we had left the arena and I can't remember if we went straight home or straight back to Bloomington or we stayed because we were in Indy. But I remember like whatever, we got back and everything was happening so fast. They canceled the Big Ten tournament, drove back. NCAA tournament wasn't canceled yet. And like 15 minutes away from Bloomington, it got canceled or something. And we're like, dang, so our season just ended like that. And then we're like sitting here like, dang, like I'm never going to play with Devontae again. I'm never going to play with Deron. I'm never going to play with uh, Johnny or none of these guys. Like these, like, like it's just over. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it was sad, but like it all happened so fast to the point where it was like, you have to get off the campus. You have to go do this. You have to go, you have to go, you have to go. Like I had to go. I had to go get on a plane to go home where I'd be stranded. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I had to go. So it really like all that stuff happened so fast that it was like you really didn't get to feel the emotion like until like we got back the next year and we're like that really that year really got taken away from us. Like we were right there. Like we should have went to the tournament. So it definitely sucked, but it happened so fast that you didn't get to feel it the way like you normally would. Mm. Well, and then a lot happened and we kind of touched at, on it uh, at the beginning of this. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot happened in your hometown mm-hmm. and, and real life took, took precedent over anything athletic. And we talked about that. And then you come back to campus for what will be the strangest year of basketball that's ever been played in college athletics yeah. because no fans, rigorous COVID testing, and... To start that all off, your name, team captain, which which we touched on. But can you just tell us a little bit about mentally and physically what kind of grind it was with the testing and playing with masks and all that stuff? I mean, you do what you will, like you would for something that you love to do. So, like, if you don't love basketball, you couldn't have did that. Like, mm-hmm. you really couldn't have did that. So it's like they want you to wake up at 7.30 in the morning go to assembly hall, get someone to shove a COVID test up your nose every single day, go down, work out, go to your room. You can't, no going out to eat, no, no, you don't get food catered in anymore. Like you're just going back to your room. That brings some food to your room and you don't get to choose what it is. You just get what you get. And then, um, you basically sit in your room until practice. When practice comes around, put your mask on and go to practice and then practice and then go home and sit in your room. So, I mean, like, it was just, I mean, it was definitely tough. Uh, it, you just had to love basketball in order to do it. I mean, I mean if it was like that this year, I'd be like. <sighs> it may not be worth it. <laughs> yeah, well, if – if that Iowa game was not uh, – or, or the Wisconsin game on the defensive side was not the coming out party, you play Providence at the beginning of last season, a Big East opponent, and Indiana looks really good and you win, and you have a massive game of 22 points and 13 rebounds. Did that feel to you a bit like a coming out party? Like, this is what I am capable of? Uh, Yeah, definitely. I had a good game, but um... – I mean, yeah, it's definitely coming out party. I think it really was just a matter of, like, I could do this. Like, I, yeah, I would say, I would say yeah, it's definitely coming out party. I mean, I can do this. Like, I wasn't, I don't think nobody was really surprised that it happened. Right. 
I mean, everybody in practice has seen me do it. Everybody but the fans has seen me do it. So it was like definitely. And still the fans couldn't be there in person to see yeah, you do it. We just had to watch it on TV. Hopefully <laughs> this year we could do it. We, we can run it back. Right. So, well, I, I mean, I do wonder too, because you mentioned part of your recruiting was stepping into assembly hall and imagining it full with 17,000 plus and being like, yeah, I want I want to, I want to experience that. And yeah. you had in these little bursts yeah. um, and to not have that crowd there. It's like you, you say you couldn't do what you did if you didn't love the game, which clearly you do. But I just wonder as, practically as the idea of home court advantage what that energy from the crowd gives to you and we all like to think bloomington there's a extra special home court advantage there did you did you feel that absence in the gameplay yeah definitely i mean you could feel it it's not it wasn't like an unfair advantage for anybody because everywhere wherever you are in the big 10 is a home court advantage um everywhere you go is crazy so i mean if you're at home, you want your home court advantage, but at the same time, it's just like all it was last year was who wants it more. Like who wants to come and play today more than another team? Mm. That's really all it was last year. And yeah, we missed Assembly Hall. That's one of the best places to play in college basketball. So, Well, Reese, you had big games last year. I mean, you had games of 13 and 11 against Maryland, 16 and 6, and seven steals in a game. Did you know that your seven steals in that game are the fourth most ever for Indiana University? No, you are in the record books, my friend. That's big time, man. That is big time. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, no season can go totally unscathed. You get hit in the face in practice. Everybody freaks out online. We think the concussion is back. You're not going to play anymore. And you come back with the face mask on. Yeah. And what was it like playing with the face mask? Um... It wasn't fun. I definitely, like, I remember the first, we went to Rutgers, and I'm never a person who's, like, mad or anything, but I remember the uh, Trace was like, I broke my nose. I broke, I broke my nose before. Like, you're going to be all right. And I was like, bro, like, I love you, but please stop talking to me. I'm really not in the mood to talk to nobody right now. <laughs> I just broke my nose at practice, left practice to go get an x-ray, came back here, showered, got on the bus to go to the airplane to fly to Rutgers to like, I'm like, yeah, just stop. Leave me alone. Leave me alone for a little bit. I'll talk to you later tonight or something. <laughs> <laughs> that was not, it was not fun. It was not fun playing with it. Um, but like, I always want to like, if I can play and not like be a detriment to the team, like I'll play. Well, you play. Well, we, I mean, we've seen even Booker uh, in the recent NBA playoffs tried for a couple games and then he was done and he threw it off. What does it in, does it impair the vision? It's uncomfortable. What's the deal with it? It's just like there, like it's not something like that you're used to. So like, there's like little black pads here, and like right here, this is your peripheral vision. So you can't you can't see as good here as some here, and there's some even here. So. Like, your peripheral vision is like, it's not gone, but it's not as good as it was. And it just kind of messes you up a little bit. And then it's just that same thought of like, in the back of your head, like, I don't even know, like if I get hit in the face, this mask is probably not even gonna do nothing. Right. And it ended up happening. I could get hit in the face of Michigan State. The mask, I mean, it probably did something, 
it's probably better than it's got getting hit without the mask, but that was not fun. I will say, I like, even though I hate every other player, when Io came in with the Batman black mask, I do have to say, I am a fan of that move. And I think that if it happens to you again, you got to get a red mask, man. You got to be a superhero, dude. You got to come out with red mask. mask. Timmy G didn't let me get it molded. There's, you're supposed to be able to get like a molded mask like fixed to your face so it's more comfortable. I didn't even have a mask that was like molded to my face. Why not? Because, I don't know. Timmy G was rocking with me like that. He was like, you don't need it. This one will work. I'm like, right, I'll sit here and fight with you. All right. So listen, I know you are way too good of a, of a human to disparage anybody. And we're not asking for that, but clearly the year started last year, much better than it ended. Uh, it, it started with some big wins. We had some wins throughout the year, but we lost six in a row at the end of the year and things kind of went into a tailspin. Yeah. You lived through it race. You've lived through a lot in your time at Indiana. Can you put your finger on what exactly happened? I'm not talking about X's and O's here because I think that, look, Archie's a good coach. Archie knows basketball. So I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But clearly something happened with the makeup of the team or just something. You talked about last year it was just about who wanted it more. And that team was too good to lose six in a row at the end of the year. What do you think happened as you look back on it? Honestly, like, I think we lost to Michigan State at home. And I remember we were sitting in the locker room, we're like, damn. And then we're like, we have to win the rest of our games in order to get to the tournament. And we're like, all right, we got to, we could do this, like, we could do this. And then we lost. And like, okay, there's actually still a chance that we actually win the rest. And then we lost. And I just feel like the energy and like the morale was just kind of, it just kind of just went down. Now, I'm not saying nobody gave up. I, I think everybody played their hardest until the end. I think that that it just it just was like we weren't as happy because we just knew that it was almost over and we're like, we have to do this. We have to do that. We get to the Big Ten tournament, we're like, if we, we can win the Big Ten tournament. We beat the best teams in the Big Ten. We've been there with the best teams. We can win. And then we lose the first game of the Big Ten tournament. And then it's just like. Man, like, so you could do, do you think you, there were times in games where you could feel because as a fan, that's what it felt like. It I felt don't think any of us trying. thought we weren't trying. It yeah. just felt like, oh, man, here it comes again. Like we just missed four shots in a row. Yeah. Damn, are we going to be able to get out of this hole? I think we just got in our own heads a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't say it was players. It was everybody. I think everybody like I thought like we started out most games like we started in games good and then. Uh, there would be a point in the game where that team goes on a run and then we couldn't figure out how to respond to that run. I think, I think that was one of our issues right there towards the end of the year. We're on the outside as this is all happening and there's negativity out there in the fan base that is more accessible to you guys than ever before. And, and I think Eric and I, we, we try with what we do or what the messages we put out or talk to other people is like, look guys, People on the team in the program can see this stuff. Did you feel that? Did you feel the fan base getting frustrated and losing hope? And do you, do you think that contributed to that, that weight that just kind of eventually crushed you guys? Um, uh, I don't know. I think 
like for me personally, I didn't, I didn't really feel it, feel it. I mean, it's hard when like nobody's there, like nobody's at practice right. anymore. Nobody's at the games. You don't, we're not getting booed. I mean, we got booed at the Big Ten tournament and I was like, dang, it does not feel good, obviously. But I mean, like you, you we couldn't feel it until then. So it's like, mm. I don't know. Like I stay off, I try to stay off the Twitter because Twitter is just not like I've seen it before. I'm like, I'm not going on there. I'm not. No, Twitter, Twitter is terrible unless you follow at Hoosier Hysterics. I try to stay off Twitter a little bit. I mean, I don't know what all the other guys are doing. I mean, it's advised to stay off, but I mean, I doubt everybody's doing it. I mean, it's hard not to do it. Sure. But I mean, I mean, I guess you could probably feel it a little bit at times, but at the same time, there was nobody there. You're not really feeling it in person, so you're not knowing what it actually is going, like what people are really thinking. Could you feel any of the pressure on the coaching staff? I mean, obviously, at the end of that year, there was a lot of talk on, is this going to be the last year? Did that seep into the locker room at all? No. Really? I think that I think that when Coach Miller had got uh, fired, that it was kind of – surprise actually I thought that he was going to be here for another year at least um what did you feel when you heard that like what ran through your your head I don't know I remember I was driving I was driving home so I had a long car ride but um I was just kind of surprised I was shocked I didn't really know what to think because I didn't really know what was coming next because I felt like I just like got comfortable with them and throughout this past year and then boom he was gone and I was like, well, now what? Now now what do I do? And I, I mean, I put my name in the portal. I don't know how long afterward, but it wasn't because of uh, you or nothing. We talked about it. Like, yeah, yeah. just protect myself and be wanted. What was the first conversation with Woody? Do you remember talking to him for the first time? Um, yeah, it was just an introduction to him telling me who he was and what he's done and what type of person like he tries to be and he really just wants it to be like a family. Um, I remember I talked to AD uh, Dolson about it and he wanted me to stay too. He, uh, before I went in the portal or whatever, he told me, he was like, I just want like, like I remember having a meeting with him and I talked to him about like what I would want in a coach. Like if I could have the ideal coach, what I would want. And as I talked to Wood, as I talked to Coach Woodson, as I talked to Dolson, like now, I'm like, dude, like you guys exactly what we asked for. Wow. So it's like, it's, it's that's good. pretty great. That's yeah. pretty great. Could hey, you could you get specific with a couple of the things you you yeah. requested? Yeah, someone who is like very like will be hard on you and push you, but at the same time like will pull you in your office and, like, give you a hug if you need a hug. Because, I mean, college is hard. There's days that you don't want to get up, you don't want to get out of bed, your body hurts, your head probably hurts because you're stressed out about school or basketball or something else. Like, it's not – the only thing going on in our lives is not just basketball. So there's other things that go on in our lives. And someone who can you could go talk to about literally anything at any time of the day, call him any time of the night, that he'll answer the phone, come pick you up, come go get something to eat with you, go do something, like, Coach Wilson is just – he's just everything and the coach that you could probably want, honestly. Wow. wow. Well, Ward, I think it's time we bring in the hysteric of the week, Brandon Straub, who has listened to this whole thing and probably can fill in the blanks where we've missed some questions. Brandon, please meet Race. Race, meet Brandon. 
What's going on, Brandon? What's up, Ray? Second time we've met. You probably remember this uh, image right here. I'm sure <laughs> no fans ever asked for your a selfie with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the Jimmy V Classic in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. yeah. All but, right, Brandon, uh, what do you got for race? Well, race, what's the burden that's going to be lifted finally once you get these guys off your back from hounding you to do an interview going to feel like? <laughs> like, what was it that, like, I mean, how bad do you really feel for them that made you want to come on the show? No, these are my guys, man. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Race, you did say before that you have your people, that you keep to yourself, but you have your people. Yeah. I am officially requesting that the Hoosier Hysterics be considered part of your people. Y'all are in there. Y'all are y'all are in there. Yes. Only because you was out there following me when I was snorkeling with my mom. Then <laughs> <laughs> I looked up. I said, "Oh, it's Eric." <laughs> in all in all honesty, it was a total accident. We were walking on the beach to go to. The, we wanted to go to the beach, and then. Um, Childress's dad was there, Nate Childress's dad. And he's like, you got to come here. There's turtles in the beach. And we go and I snorkel out and I'm like, is that race? <laughs> and then I did have the moment of thought, like, this is really weird. He's going to think I'm freaking stalking him. <laughs> yes. But I did become friends with your parents, so it's okay. Yeah, no, it was all good. It was fun. It was fun. It was swimming with turtles. It was amazing. Brandon, what else, That's man? Awesome. What did we miss? Well, okay, Ray, sort of a serious question, but maybe funny too. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of some of the managers trying to play defense against Cody Zeller back in, you know, mid 2000 or, you know, 2012, 13, 14, 15, where one of the biggest managers was in practice, like trying to guard Cody as if he were, you know, um, the big guy from Michigan state, I forget his name, uh, Shoot. Anyway, some some huge, you know, seven footer or whatever. And just he went into Cody so hard and just pissed Cody Zeller off, which apparently must be really hard to do. And like Cody, like wrestled him to the ground. And, you know, it was just one of those hilarious like manager moments or like a hilarious funny moment with like the support staff. When we were in the Bahamas, I met some of the you know support staff and managers and they just seemed like a first class crew for you guys. So anything funny to share about like the people behind the scenes? I mean, they don't get enough credit, honestly. Um, they're just great dudes, like, all the time. Like, whenever you need somebody, like, you can just call, and you got them. Right. Yeah. Trace. Wait, who's that? Trace? Trace. <laughs> Tell him to come in here. Trace, get in here. This is hysterics just called you in, bro. Trace, come on in. Come on in. Trace. <laughs> Trace. Dude, this is what it was we that do picture here. I put up. That picture has Trace in here. it too. Trace, pop your head in. Look, Ruby, stop. Can you grab her around, please? Ruby, come here. Bro. Where is oh, Ruby? Ruby's running. It. There, there he is. is. There he is. <laughs> We're doing good. How are you, Trace? Yeah. Do you have a good time in the Bahamas? Huh? Do you have a good time in the Bahamas? It was a great time. Great time. Tell us something embarrassing about race. Uh, something embarrassing. Uh, he's really, really bad at Call of Duty. Terrible. <laughs> Just saying that. By the way, here's how you know you're a really cool person. When the embarrassing thing is you're bad at a video game. 
Like if you asked Ward something embarrassing about me, he'd talk about my back sweat. I'd fall in the streets. It's like, it's all embarrassing, but th th this is how you know you're cool. Um, uh, so yeah, the good question about the managers, they are a good group of guys. We've gotten to meet a lot of them. Adam Howard, who's been there for a while. Great guy. They I mean, just part of them too. So it's like every single one of them will do anything for any of us. And like at the end of the day, like those are our guys, like they sit in the locker room with us. It's not like they're just floating around or anything. Like they don't feel welcome. Like them, those are our guys too. Like those are part of the family. Brandon. That's awesome. Brandon, you've uh, listened to enough Hoosier Hysterics podcasts. You know that there's a series of questions that we ask people who have been in Bloomington for a while. Please take the floor and ask away. Okay, Race. Favorite pizza in Bloomington? Pizza? Mm, I'm probably going to have to just say Mother Bears. I don't eat that much pizza, but I'm going to have to say Mother Bears. Good answer. Nice. Good answer. Nice. I think that's our three favorite as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and hopefully they name a pizza after Coach Woodson now because they did after Coach Miller. So no, we sure got to check that out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite overall restaurant in Bloomington? Uh, I'm going to have to say Buffalo's. Probably Buffalo. I'm going to have to say Buffalo's go to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Man, yep. I want that right now. What's the uh, order at Buffalo's? Sweet barbecue. Um, with some fries, or I get the Memphis dry rub, one or the other, whatever I'm feeling. I like that. Nice. Okay, favorite class, least favorite class. Uh, my favorite class I took here. I took a rock climbing class one time. That was fun. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that class was actually a lot of fun. It was actually a really good workout too. I was surprised. And then least favorite class would be math. It's math. I just I can't. I'm happy. I finished my math class. This summer, to so I don't got to take any more math classes. Well, so that was, was it finite? Did you do one eighteen? Yeah, I took finite, but I didn't take. I didn't finish it. I had to drop. I took a different <laughs> class called beauty and math. I couldn't do the finite. It wasn't working. <laughs> I, I only the second time I tried to take it with the help of many tutors did I get through well, that. I, that's what I'm saying. I had a, I had tutors and everything. I was like, I can't. Like as soon as I get to the test, I'm like, I forget. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Also what are some of the other ones? I got I got a kind of a bonus question, but it's not one of the Go quick for it. Go for it. Okay, Race. The um, and you know, maybe you can't answer this one, but like, what would you want the fans to know? You know, IU fans to know. Is there ever a moment where you kind of just want to tell them, like, guys, get your head out of the sand, or like, you wish they were something that they knew so that we could be like you know, more supportive, more encouraging, et cetera. Cause I know you get the goods and the bads, right? So is there just something that we need to be enlightened about? Um, um, I don't even know. Like I would just say be supportive. Like we know that we know when we have a bad game, like, yes, we know. So like, we don't need everybody. <laughs> They're shooting shots at us like we know like thank you but we know <laughs> yeah uh dude I, wanna... I totally agree with you man i totally agree with you i think eric and ward you guys get the credit because i know you guys are huge supporters but we got to get more people pushing in that direction you know like just always always lifting up always encouraging because yeah. yeah you know you know you know when you miss a three-pointer when you miss a dunk like when you lose a game it's not like you don't know the final score Right. Yeah, or what uh, play 
get it to and stuff like that. I mean, we know it's not a secret, and it's not like none of us can't take it either. So it's just like, I mean, there'll be you'll get the good, you get the bad. Let, yeah. let me ask this question that's very important. When did you start? When did you start, and how much do you hate Purdue? Ah, uh, mm. honestly, when I got here, I knew it was a rivalry, I didn't know. That the rivalry was what it was. Yeah. So I went to the, I went, we played the first game. I don't remember, I don't remember if it was home or away. And I could feel it. Like I was like, whoa, this, this, this is hostile. (laughs) (laughs) Other games, like this is real hatred towards us. (laughs) So um, I would say, like, I was dislike, I didn't, I disliked them, but like personally, my rivalry, my personal rivalry is Minnesota. So when we play Minnesota, I can't lose. Mm-hmm. Purdue, I have grown that hate as I've started playing more. Yes. In the game. Yes. As, as I've played in the games, I'm like, no, I'm, I do not like Purdue. I hate Purdue. I'm not rocking <laughs> with Purdue. That. Race. So, race. We're going to be Purdue this year, right? Yeah. We're going to be Purdue this year. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here first. Because I think, I think there's like some. You have poured so much of your heart, your soul, your sweat into this program, and and you you deserve some stuff coming your way this year. So there's going to be a Purdue victory. What else for you, and in, in terms of team goals or personal goals, needs to happen for you to feel like you got the job done that you came here to do? Can I get to the NCAA tournament? NCAA tournament is that's what needs to happen. It's been too long, and I want to play in the NCAA tournament. So I mean, I think that if we could get to the NCAA tournament, then I'll feel good about where the program is and everything. So I think that's I'm with the- you. And then race, you come back next year and we win the whole damn thing. That's <laughs> yeah. what needs to happen. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, you don't go into a game thinking you're going to lose the game. So I mean, the goal is to win the national championship. The goal is to win the Big Ten championship. The goal is all that. But, like, you really just – like, I want to make the NCAA tournament. I want to top three, top two in the Big Ten, like, just be one of the better teams in the country. So, I think that we are capable of doing it. I think we just got to put the pieces together and do it. What is your personal – and your your story is not yet written at Indiana, but so far, what's your favorite moment so far? Could be basketball or not basketball. Could be just something fun that happened with friends – I do love you talking about your freshman year and how close you guys were, because that is a crazy bond. I mean, I'm still friends with people that I met my freshman year because you're all coming to it as such, you know, innocent morons, truthfully at the same time. And you learn together, but what, what is your favorite moment so far? My favorite moment. I honestly think that I have to say that game against Wisconsin. Back and I played. I remember because I was so emotional. Like I, like I never had felt like that before. Like I was almost brought to tears. I remember I, I was holding back because I was like, we won the game. I ain't trying to act like that right now. But I don't think anybody knows like how much this game meant to me and like my family and my people because like I had been struggling like the whole year, like mentally, physically, everything. I've been struggling and like to be able to go out there and like contribute to a win. Yeah, sure. I only had like two points or something. I don't even know what I had, but. Uh, like I've helped win that game and it just felt good to actually like play in the game. So I think that that was my, probably like my best like feeling moment. Um, Brandon, any, uh, any more questions? I've got one more that I, I want for. Yeah. 
one more for me. So sure. race, like Eric said, we definitely want you back next year. But <laughs> one of the cool things about being a Hoosier, which, you know, Eric and Ward and I have learned is we have a fantastically awesome alumni base. I think it's like the second biggest in the world, like yeah. active living alumni. We got a big foundation, you know, we have all these, you know, whatever people love the Hoosiers. So pretend for a moment that you weren't going to, you know, continue utilizing your incredible basketball skills and you were going to do something else with your life. Like, what would it be? Like, give us a little insight into like, who is race, you know, deep down, what, what gets them going beyond basketball. And also I mentioned it because like, I, I hope other alumni like me are out there looking for like, Hey, how can we help contribute to, you know, be a resource for whatever, you know, these guys in the future, if ever, you know, those paths cross. Yeah. So, uh, my, if basketball stopped bouncing today, uh, I'd probably either go like not go home or my dad runs a nonprofit organization called voter options. So like, I really like that. He really like something that has driven me my whole life is like, Helping people, helping people that. themselves, helping people do this, help people do that. Like, I just want to help. Like, I want to be mm. a person. Like, if it makes me feel good, then help someone else feel good. And and I think I heard your dad even mention that you you like working with youth specifically. Yeah, I like help. I like helping. Like, I've worked. I've worked with daycares. I've done. I've done stuff like that when I was in high school. So I think that Ball Star Boston Day would be that, or like the past year, I've been like thinking about like getting into real estate. So get into the uh -huh. business because I thought you can be very successful and I really want to be successful. In life. Yeah, you've you've got and a coach there and some former yeah. uh, teammates of his that have done very well in real estate. Yeah. So I was thinking like real estate or some of the lines of that. So. All right. Awesome. couple fun little last questions. You're in a fight. You're in a fight, a fist fight. And yeah. you can only have one player on the team as your fighting partner against two other guys that are coming after you. Who's your fighting partner on the current Hoosier team? Rob Tennessee. Ooh, I like that. And and is that as much for like his physical prowess or is there just something about him mentally that you want out there? Both. Mm. Both. I like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're in a hot dog eating contest <laughs> and you need one teammate to be with you on the hot dog eating contest. Who is it? Uh, Trace. Trace eats the most hot dogs of anybody. So, <laughs> the glizzy gobbler. That's what the teammates be calling me. All right. You're at the club. You need a wingman. You're out. You're looking, you're, you've got a girlfriend. So forget, like, pretend you don't have a girlfriend. Come on, we love Riley. Like, she's, we get that. But you need a wingman. Who is it? Uh, I'm going to go with Michael Durr. Ooh. Yeah. Is Michael Durr smooth? Michael Durr is a smooth man. <laughs> Michael Durr, he's just cool. Like, he's just real calm, relaxed like me. Like, if he was to go out, like. He'll just kick it like he'd just be hanging out. And that's how I am. I'm not like someone who's going to go and go over here, go over there, go over there. I'm just chill. Like, I just be chilling. So, I mean, so I want someone who's like me. So, me and Michael Dill will probably be kicking it. How, how long you and Riley been together? Uh, About a year. Serious? How long, how long has Ruby been in the picture? Uh, She's been here the whole time. Since okay. Before. All right. A year and a half. Is Riley from Indiana? 
She's from Milwaukee, but she went she went to school here though. Okay, all right. I mean, is it wedding bells? I mean, what? <laughs> no, we ain't there for you. <laughs> we got to focus on the season, guys. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Brandon, anything else for race before we say goodbye to him? Just uh, appreciate you and. I'm going to savor this, this season with you and maybe another, but thank you for, you know, everything you've given us. And I just wish you all the best, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to go now, Ward, so you can say goodbye last. Fantastic. Race, this fan base loves you, man. We feel like we've been through those injuries with you. We have watched your perseverance. We have rooted for you. We've got your back. We love how you play the game of basketball. We love how you represent the university. You, you are what we love to root for at Indiana. And I, I don't know if this name means anything to you, but there was a guy that helped us win a national championship in 1987 named Daryl Thomas, who is no longer with us, passed away way prematurely. But Daryl Thomas was an awesome player for Indiana University and is known for having the greatest assist in, in basketball history because he passed it to Keith Smart instead of forcing a shot, and we won the championship. Daryl Thomas, your game reminds me a lot of Daryl Thomas and how you play. And Daryl Thomas is revered in the annals of history with Indiana. And, and I feel like that's the legacy that you're going to leave too. You leave it all on the court. You play the game the right way. You represent that name on the front of your jersey the right way. And you represent your family the right way. And you come from great stock. So I, I, I'm just a huge fan of yours. And I love rooting for you. And I love that you put up with my bullshit when I annoy you when I see you in person. Thank you so much. That means a lot. And, and look, man, we know it's been a rough couple, rough several years for you and for the program. Um, but when you uh, approach it the way you do, um, and the kind of person you are on and off the court, uh, there, there is a love and appreciation. I think you're getting a sense from us and hopefully you get from a lot of people that, that will follow you wherever you go for the rest of your life. And not necessarily in the form of a crazy person in the Bahamas, <laughs> um, that, that people will understand whatever is going on with the program does not reflect on what you've put into it, but because of all you've put into it, just know the second biggest alumni base in the world is wishing you not only success this season, but just a lot of fun because you've been through it, man. And we just want you to have a blast and, and we'll have a blast watching you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited, man. That was a guest. That was a guest. All right, man. Um, Boy, so I mean, much how fun. can you not love that guy? How can you not love him? And he's shit. mature. Yeah, he is. He's um, he's an adult. You know, he's he is the captain. Like he, you get why, Brandon. I'm curious because we have never had somebody like listen into when we did the whole narrative of the story of the life while we do it. What did you? I'm really curious your take on what you took from it. I mean, it felt super similar to you know all of the others, I think the biggest thing, you know, cause you follow a pretty similar script. The biggest thing that stuck out almost immediately to me was, and I don't know if you guys realize this was the candor and like the insight that a current player is giving into the program now is like completely different than anything I had heard until two hours ago. Like no former player, even talking about coach Crean and coach Miller, 
was ever well the players with coach Crean have been very um candid yeah um but not coach miller and certainly nobody in the uh you know on the current team so if there's if if the if the team's gonna let us talk or let you guys talk to more players like I was loving that just because again, I'm wanting people to like get to know them that they're not just basketball players that they can tweet at and like crap all over them. And like, if you listen to this interview with race, like you're just going to like love the guy, you know? And I kind of feel like that's going to happen with most of our players. Um, So, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing that jumped out, but did you mean something more like technically feedback related? No, no, no. Just, just curious. As you heard race, tell his story. Uh, what what you think of him now b- that you didn't know before yeah i mean he's not given you know every, i watch all the post game interviews all the stuff on pigs inside the hall like everywhere i listen to it all and like i've never heard i've only ever heard his answers be just very scripted you know right. and it just felt like that was not scripted at all and it probably has to do with coach woodson and the staff being just much more media friendly that's that's a guess, you know. I think but. I think that's probably true, but I also think that since you know February of 2020, race has undergone a, a pretty incredible transformation. I mean, that yeah. George Floyd story obviously hit the yes. country in a big way, but that's his hometown, and it hit him in a way that he felt like he had to go to his dad and say, "We need to do something." That so led to captain of the team. I just think race, and he's been able to play. Whereas his first yeah. couple of years, he, he couldn't. I just think he's blossomed into being a man in a way that, agree. that allows him to, to emote and, and articulate things. Well, yeah. and the fact that since July 1st, they can't necessarily stop us. <laughs> now the players have to agree, but the middleman, sort of the, uh, the handlers, if you will, don't maybe quite have the say they did. But I think also everybody involved knows we're here to help. And to your point, Brandon, is that if how the fans can help is by supporting the players and the, and the staff is that yes, get to know them as human beings while they'll, they're still here. And it gets a lot harder to shit all over them on social media. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, I also think Brandon, to your point, I think you're right. There is just, and you saw it firsthand in the Bahamas, there is a looseness to these guys yeah. and this team that did not exist before. And I'm not, it, yep. look, you don't have to anybody who ever saw Archie Miller ever and how tightly wound he is now. Look, yeah. he was great for an hour on our show. So that's- and, and by the way, Ward also, it has worked before. I mean, he didn't become a different person when he came to Indiana. That's the same Archie that took a team to the elite eight in Dayton and won conference championships. And it's not like Bob Knight was Mr. Lucy Goosey. Like we know that he knew when to pull back. We think, you know, much more than he's given credit for, but intensity has worked for some coaches. It didn't work this time around and you just feel the air let out. And I think that is part of why race just feels so loose and trace can pop his head in, you know, and be silly. Like, I just think there's a looseness now that is that is encouraged on the team. I mean, my favorite thing I think Ray said was like, defense is where you work. Offense is where you get to have some fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's yeah. straight from the coach. That's crazy talk. Yeah. Like it yeah. sounds great. 
Yeah, one of the questions I was going to ask, I made a bunch of questions, but tried to prioritize them. One of the questions I was going to ask him was, hey, everything we're reading and hearing about, it seems like the word fun has been thrown around a lot. Like, it seems like you guys are just having a blast. You're having fun. I was going to ask, what's, what's, what would be the next biggest sort of change or like, yeah, just what's, what's new beyond or sort of after the fun? Like, what's the biggest change other than the fun? So, and I don't know, I'm sort it of seems trying like, to observe that myself. It seems like the other adjective is, is confidence that, that people yeah. like these coaches are, it's really strategic is to infuse yeah. these guys with confidence. And I think the fun, the joy aspect those two can really feed off of each other. That's a great point. I mean, when, he said, when he said, if I'm not shooting threes, Coach Woody said it's going to be a problem. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. a crazy thing to hear from your coach. I mean, I that, that gives you such confidence and that gives you that ability to have so much fun. The other thing that I thought was really telling when he was describing the things that he thought were ideal for a coach, and then he said that Coach Woody had all those things. The one that got me like right in the heart was a coach that can be really hard on you, but then pull you into the office and give you a hug. Yeah. Yeah. Like these are kids. I mean, and they do need hugs. Like they do need that from, from time to time at the right time. And I know that that's going to offend hugs. Yeah. I mean, we're going to hug each other all the time. (laughs) Yeah, Um, no, we need that. Yeah. We need affirmation. Come on. I, absolutely yeah. it just but that's gonna rub i think there's some old school indiana people that like that would rub the wrong way you know hugs yeah like just go out and do your job like we don't need hugs but hey, coach knight coach knight would slap you on the butt he'd slap you in the back of the head he would put his arm around you once a season you know we saw and, that and it meant so much to them so when much. it did happen and you get the sense with woody that while he's not a Bob Knight clone. He's clearly a Bob Knight disciple and has taken a lot from him. But you can tell that when Woody does put his arm around or pat you on the butt or gives you a hug, it's meaningful. Yeah. And um, I just, that got me right in the heart. Yeah, Yeah. it did. I felt that too. And for all those old school coach Knight guys that we refer to on a semi-regular basis, the wonderful thing about coach Woodson being here is like, sorry, Sorry, guys. He he's he's a real old school night guy. He's more right. old school night than you. Than than anybody except the other guys who played for Coach Knight like he did. So if this is where he's at in 2021, that's where you should be too. Yeah. 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 Good point. Um, I loved Race talking about his family and how much they mean to him. Um, yeah, I just like you said, Brandon, you these are real people and and getting yeah. to know that while they play instead of afterwards so that in retrospect, we can be upset at ourselves for what we said. No, it's happening now. It's happening. You know, we've seen two games in the Bahamas and now they're going to start the season. This is the guy that's on the team and yeah. we need to support him. Um, Guys, but you're right. The some... maturity really shown, really, really shine through. There is yeah. something I, I discovered in the preparation for, for our time here together and that it's a Wikipedia now has a good entry on this season, which includes both of our Mm. victories against BC mega. Really? (laughs) Yeah. So now I'd like, they've got the rest of the schedule up here now. And I'm just like, Oh man, we're going to be able to start to see this getting filled out. And Mm -hmm. and those two wins right there are pretty exciting. 
And, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it just made it start to be really real for me as this thing I always reference going back the last 60 years is now like there are blanks on this form. <laughs> and I yeah. want there to be a lot of green instead of pinks because that's yeah. what signifies the wins. Eric, Brandon, you should tweet that or you should you should send that screenshot to uh, Coach Coach Hunter and Coach Yah and be like, look, really, see, they are wins. They count somewhere. Remember I right. told them like <laughs> two wins and they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know. Easy. I'm like, no, no, no. They're two wins. They count. I was like, oh, they're wins. They're, uh, we're counting them. I saw them. I saw them yeah. and there was a scoreboard. <laughs> yeah. I, yes. Uh, Brandon, besides Race Thompson, because that's the obvious answer after this conversation, who are you most excited to kind of watch their their season? this this year mm. scoop stands out because i think he looked like a pro off his first game with us he just looked so smooth and i think he's got a real emotional maturity about him as well so i think he will be remembered as one of those players who not only represented us incredibly well on the floor but off the floor maybe even greater you know i agree um, i think he's a victor oladipo type presence the yeah. way that Victor kind of came in and won everybody over with that infectious personality. Instead I think of right. singing though, it's, it's apparently he's the most hilarious guy on the team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I agree. Yeah, I like, right, yeah. So scoop and give us a number two scoop. Um, yeah. I think the next person that jumps into my mind is Jordan Geronimo, you know, nice. and again, some of the, I mean, I, I, I don't think this is, doing him a disservice but when we have our memories of og ananobi and like watching him now for the raptors and just like salivating and wishing that we could have had him longer at iu it's almost like og reincarnated or something you know what i mean <laughs> so um and uh you know i think just and i think jordan's personality from listening to him talk to you guys with his mom and, and um yeah, i guess his dad was on a little bit just another like sweet kid you know I, maybe i shouldn't say that sweet young man and no, i just, no, just like want the best for him you no, know the kid is right i mean he's got and i yeah. don't mean that insulting he has got this just youthful innocent he does that when you talk to him when i talk to him just briefly in the bahamas he's just a big kid i mean he really yeah. is uh, by the way i love hearing that trace is a big kid yeah i don't yeah. know why i love hearing that but I think when you've got a guy that gets like all American accolades and the talk of professional ranks, you just think like that he's kind of above the rest in some way, but no, he's just a goofy kid. And I love yeah. that. I love that about him. Yeah. 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 So it's, you know, I, it's funny. I mean, I know you guys both have kids too, but like when you have your own children, you like want to see them do well, you want the best for them. And it's crazy because like, I feel that way about the players on the team, yeah, you know? For sure. And like, even our staff, I'm just like, dude, I just want like coach Yah and coach Hunter to have like a hell of a run here for the next, however many years it is. And for this just to be like a totally great step for them. And like, so it's just kind of crazy to say that about the whole program, you know? I mean, and we don't I, even like, we, you know, it's not like we know, it's not like we're friends or maybe you guys are kind of friends, but you know, like we haven't even met some of these people in person, you know? Yeah. And by the so, way, and, we, we pretend we're friends. We're really good yeah, at pretending. Yeah, yeah. We ask right. them on air to be friends so they have to say <laughs> yes. yes or we'll seem like so jerks. <laughs> can we call you by your nickname then? Would that be permissible? Yes. You can't say no, but can we? 
yep, that's what we do. But, but yeah. I will I say, that, say, yeah, go ahead. That, that just thinking back of that conversation with race of like the hell he's been through the, the yeah. difficulties of the entire program. Some of it's certainly out of anybody's control. And then like, let's be honest, guys, it's been real shitty for us too. <laughs> when you're talking about these great players, these great coaches, the people around them, supporting them, all of us, the second living, largest living fan base on earth. Like, I think we all just are due a very fun season. If that is the key word internally in this team, I want to embrace it as the fan base too and let it be joy and fun from now until late March. Yeah. I, yes. I mean, look, uh, Brandon, I'm First sure. First weekend of April. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Brandon would agree with this. This that is what you felt in the Bahamas. You felt oh yeah. You just felt this tangible fun. You know yes. why? Because we were in the Bahamas. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It we really was in a ballroom in Idaho, and we would have been as giddy. And I mean, my wife was like pulling me away and just like, just like, is everything okay? You're like, you won't stop smiling. I mean, it, you know, we're just kidding the candy store. Just, you know, so just the lines like lining up before you got into the, yes. the ballroom and everybody talking to each other. I mean, I got to talk to Brandon, who was right at the top of the line. First person in line <laughs> for the first game, second person in line for the second game. That's yep. what Brandon was. The pep rally that we did where the players got to walk through. It was just joyous. It really was. So and yes, fun. then you get to go to the beach. <laughs> no, but, yeah. but also, you know, Brandon, as I'm sure you heard in the conversation with Angelo Pizzo, uh, that just Woody being in town, the new sheriff in town, yeah. was was elevating the mood of the whole town. And so then you yeah. guys transfer a little bit of that, uh, that thousand or so people down to the Bahamas, but but then they really had to do it on the court. And it's so great that you guys were there and the Peak staff was there and that all the reports came back of that. What you actually saw on the floor is was was oh. evidence that this hasn't just been fool's gold. Yeah, correct. I totally agree with that. I mean, the yeah, we and I said it at the beginning, like we've gone through an upgrade. I mean, it's the talent on the floor an upgrade. You know, I think whatever coach and his staff are doing to create the chemistry on the team and upgrade. And, and I, and I even, I think it was maybe on the Twitter spaces or something. I think I was trying to figure out what people thought about, like, where would you put that BC mega team who, yeah, they're a team, but like, in all honesty, they were also a lot of their younger players. And I'm not sure those guys have been playing together quote forever, just because they're a professional team. Um, but where would we put them in like a, you know, a Ken Palm ranking or whatever. And I sort of said, Hey, I think they're at least top 100. You know, like, and so I don't think it was a cupcake game necessarily either. Um, so oh, we've got a bunch of cupcake games coming. It's true. We got a yeah. lot of cupcake games, which I'm Eastern fine Michigan. with. I mean, building Northern confidence, Illinois. building confidence. Yeah, Paramount. I just want to win. I just... Northern Kentucky, Kansas, <laughs> Jackson. Yeah, Wikipedia's yeah. got them all listed. This looks like a D2 yeah. schedule. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, but you know what? I'm honestly. St. John's, Gabby Games. Yeah, St. John's. Eh. I mean, one of <laughs> Syracuse. At Syracuse yep. would be difficult, but I, um, it, yeah, there is this, this new, the, there's a new sheriff in town. It feels different. Wow. It's exciting. And so now exciting. we got to wait. Now all we have is football to get us the next 12 weeks. 
It's true. That's true. And I, I think I said that to you as we were leaving the Bahamas. I was like, the only bad thing about this trip is we got to wait like two, two and a half months for tip off. You know, I think, what is it, November 3rd? No, I think, I think it's, it's like 9th. November, November 9th. 9th. Yeah. Yeah. yeah November 9th. Um, that's the only bad thing. But you're right. We got, you know, less than less than 13, I think 13 days away from kickoff. Yeah, man. It's uh, so. it's an exciting times. Brandon, you are our first hysteric of the week. I'd love to have you back. You were great, man. It's an honor. We'll, it's an we'll honor, definitely you guys. do it again. Yeah. If you want to take hey. Eric's spot, I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> I could not do that. I could not do that. But hey, just like I was saying to the, the you know, to race, like, I just want to support you guys, man. So I love what you guys have been doing for so long. It's been like a huge joy for my own personal life selfishly. So I feel like I'm just along this ride for you guys, with you guys. So keep doing what you're doing. Well, Thanks, we, 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 we appreciate that. And honestly, we've said it, you've heard this, us talk about it. The most fun we have is when we get to be around Indiana fans, whether it's in Bloomington or the airport in Indianapolis, yeah. wherever it is, or an event out here, and we just get to do this, yeah, like meeting you, um, meeting you in the in the Bahamas, and you giving me from your company Tegu this incredible ah fidget <laughs> magnet block that will now take go. me two hours to put back together. <laughs> but I love it. Tegu.com is an incredible company that that is dedicated to creating amazing financial career opportunities for really an impoverished country in the Honduras and you guys have built yeah. a toy factory there. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we, we built basically like a large, you know, wood shop, but it's a, you know, a wood manufacturing facility. And, you know, we employ about a, just over a hundred folks there now. And uh, we, we want to be much bigger than that in the future, but you know, we take every day, day at a time, and we're trying to build build that company up, just like I know Coach Woodson's trying to build the program up one day at a time. So, well, yeah, thanks for that shout-out. Well, you said it right there. Uh, Wood Factory, Coach Woodson, you showed me <laughs> a little figure earlier that was not of anybody in particular. Have you approached Coach Woodson about a Woody figure? I love the idea. I love the idea. I didn't think about it until you just said it. Let's go. You need a wood. You need a wood Woody. Yeah. It's true. He it's can true. hang out I with like... Board Ward. Yes. By the way. Okay. Board Ward's having some real issues. <laughs> what, what? What? Did he lose an eye? What's there left to happen? I'll be honest with you. I tried to fix him. He's soggy. I bought Flex Seal. You know that stuff that you see the infomercial on that like if there's a, a leak in a boat, you can make it yes. the whole damn boat? Yeah. I have seen that. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I sprayed the shit out of board ward and I let it sit for like an hour. And it just came apart. The head just came off again. Well, yeah, I mean there's some, like I think some pretty simple physics at play. You you What got, do you mean? It's got, two like, things and an adhesive. Yeah, but it's it's like what's the the width of Board Ward's neck and the bottom of his face? Like an eighth of an inch? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it, it ain't gonna happen. I honestly think the stapler was the only chance you. <laughs> why, had. why do you say it won't happen? You can glue things together that are less than an eighth of an inch thick. Yeah, but if as long as they're not like four feet tall. 
You they need made more surface area. They fixed a boat with Flex Seal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there was much more surface area around the thing he slapped over the hole. Westside Print Center in Culver City. Give him a call. Let's print a new one. Let's get a fresh take on board ward. Maybe different hair, different oh, hairstyle. Oh, you know, oh, oh. don't want to keep it. It is, it is different. I'm cutting it myself yeah. now. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm going to fix them. I'm going to fix them. Valiant. That's a true friend. Okay. I've true tried friend. crazy glue. I've tried crazy glue and flex seal and neither Here's one. I saw Holly with the crazy glue in the Bahamas yeah. in her purse. I was like, yes. what are you doing? Here's a, like, it, would, it would require like a long board behind it where you have a lot of surface yes. area up top behind his head and yes. down below on his body. And then that's what like a structural a engineer would say. For the neck too. Mm -hmm. yep. And then put flex seal over the whole thing to a yeah. thick to affix the board to both parts yes and waterproof it yeah for sure <laughs> and waterproof it yeah, yeah. then you can take him with the turtles and you know <laughs> i did take him down the slide yes he was, was fine fun. he was fine there's no sogginess to board ward by the way oh, he oh, brandon you were you were on the twitter spaces when evan martin outed eric as the one who decapitated yes. board ward right yes. yeah the listeners yes. should hear this because there was yes. not enough people on spaces to hear what well happened. to eric's credit yeah no you know only verbal testimony right yeah so i mean you know we don't have physical well we maybe we do we don't have visual evidence of the events that occurred so you, you don't you know, even think, have you don't even have Evan saying that he saw the moment of decapitation. He says, I did something, and the next thing he knew, Boardward's head was gone. Boardward's head could have been gone for minutes before that. And 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 what what would have happened next to you, behind you, under Holly, you? Holly decapitated him. <laughs> That's what happened, Ward. She hated him. She's jealous of my relationship with him. He was causing issues and I, she decapitated him. I, and then she placed him next to me so that any movement that I would do with him, the head would come off and it would seem like I did it. She framed me. I think she wasn't happy at the beginning of the trip about, you know, time spent together. Right. Right. I think the only way to get to the bottom of this is to get Evan and Holly on the show next week and just hash this out. We'll try, but I don't. I don't know if Holly's going to be up for that. <laughs> Holly Crosby. <laughs> Holly Crosby. All right, guys, let's oh, wrap man. it up. Hey, uh, Brandon, you've you've done this. You've listened to enough, so you got to do this with us. Okay. First, give money to the NIL Collective, please. At Hoosier Hysterics NIL on Venmo. You can use us on, you can send money to us on Zelle, 818 653 As always, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics. For the hysterics, no E, no, e, no, no I, I, but, but the, the some, sometimes why. Ward, where were you? Where were you? You know what? I, I just wanted to, to hear somebody else do it. Oh, all right. He nailed it. He nailed it. Brandon, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks again for the contribution and the support of the podcast and the contribution to the NIL Collective. We really appreciate it. Love it, guys. Great being with you. Have a great night. Great job, Brandon. 
From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.